Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Monday, April 17th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all. We've got the phone lines open right now. We have no guests. We have no theme. I've got some odds and ends I'll talk about till some phone calls start coming in, so line them up. 855-950-3835 is the number to join us. So most of the news right now is all centered around the economy. We've been talking about it for a long time. I'm kind of shocked at how fast it's happening. It seemed like it took a really long time to get started. We've talked about this economic cycle and how Strange it was. Going all the way back to our last recession, 08, 09, started to come out of it in 10. And then we had this long economic run-up. We thought around 17 it should have been ending. That would have been about normal. And then um, it didn't. Um, Some people claim it was Trump's policies in 16 may have been. Then we had COVID and that changed the world, obviously, and the last couple of years have been really odd as far as the economy and money and numbers and all the things we normally track, and we knew it couldn't last forever, but I didn't know when it was going to happen. Now that it's happening, it seems to be happening really quickly, Um, not just in trucking, but in the general economy itself something we didn't hear about for years, really. Nobody laid anybody off. We didn't hear about layoffs for a long, long time. Now I hear about layoffs every single day. The other interesting thing about this, we know trucking had a really good couple of years there, record-breaking by far. Other industries did as well. I heard this morning um, David's Bridal. They sell wedding dresses. 2022 was a record year for them. They broke records. We're barely into 2023 and they're announcing huge layoffs and filing for bankruptcy. Just seems a little shocking how fast it happened. And we're, we're seeing that a lot. We're seeing it in the general industry with, with, Lots of layoffs. Big tech was first, but now we're starting to see um, more retail type companies filing for bankruptcy, laying off, um, showing poor performance in their numbers. It's happening pretty quickly. Now in trucking, again, we just came out of some of the best years ever. I saw a statistic today. I want to go back and uh, find this. Where was that? Um, I saw a statistic in this article about how many drivers there were for jobs. I need to go back and find that. I should have should have bookmarked that. And it was such a shocking statistic that I'm seeing already. Um, And it's been so long since we've seen anything like this. Uh, I'll have to look for that number in a little bit. It was something about so many drivers showing up for so few jobs already. 
all we've talked about, or not all we've talked about, we've certainly talked a lot for the last two decades. It's been at least 20 years. We've been talking about a driver shortage. You know, it it was very, very common. Drivers did not worry about having a job. You could lose a job on Friday afternoon and probably be in another truck by Monday morning if you worked really hard at it. That was really, really common. You had a job every time you wanted one. You know, the other thing we don't talk about a lot, um, not only was there a job when you, if you could drive a truck, there was always a job waiting for you. We, we've talked for years about people moving in and out of other industries, primarily construction. When their industries go south, they go drive truck for a while. It's kind of always been that way. It's shocking now to see that when drivers are losing jobs right now, there are no jobs available. It just does not seem like trucking companies are hiring right now. I'd love to get some feedback on that. Uh, if you have any experience with this, your company hiring, uh, it seems like, again, like it's happening really fast. Like it wasn't that long ago. Companies were still recruiting heavily, and now there don't seem to be any jobs at all for drivers. And I cannot believe of how many stories I'm reading uh, in social media and in trucking media about Drivers losing their jobs and being stranded. Um, Here's a guy who's been driving trucks since 2006. So this would be an interesting one. He got in in 2006. Right away, went through a couple tough years there. Seven, eight, nine. We started to come out of it in 10. So he made it through that. Here's... Kind of an interesting sentence. It says, uh, he's been driving trucks since 2006 and seen good times and bad under a variety of carriers, working alternatively, alternately as an employee and a contract driver with an eye towards going owner-operator someday. Then it says he's 68. <sighs> an eye towards going owner-operator someday? You're 68. When is someday, I, you know, I, I hate to tell people it's too late. I really do. But at some point, it's too late. Stop thinking about being an owner operator and just go find a good company job and focus on managing your own money. And we learn here that this driver does not do a very good job of managing his own money because he's completely broke and stranded can't get home stranded and i'm reading multiple stories about drivers like this you know like i said if if you could drive a truck not only did you always have a job you weren't going to be homeless you just live in the truck it's not that hard it's the norm that's not the case now though These drivers just can't get a job. I can't believe how fast this happened. Um, You know, there are a couple groups out there that that try to get drivers home in this situation. These groups are out of money already. 
Like I said, I've read several stories of this. I've been following a couple people on Twitter that can't get home. And now they're worried about how they're going to get to a shelter. And these companies are leaving drivers stranded and they haven't paid them in a couple weeks. I'm not really sure how to help a, a company driver that's in a situation like this. They're so far gone, all we can do to help them is give them money. There are groups out there that that are doing that. You know, a lot of times people have asked us over the years why we don't do something like this. We have a lot of reach. I've thought about it many, many times. I love helping people, but I don't really enjoy just handing people money. I really don't. And and when you're in a situation like this, the economy's really turning fast. Drivers can't get jobs. There's just nobody hiring right now, it seems. And then this happens and they can't get home. And again, at this point, all you can do is give them money. I, I don't know what to do other than that. I want to help people before they get to that point. It, and I thought I had been trying I mean, warning people this is coming, you know, pay attention, start managing your money. Um, I I don't want to just hand people money to get them out of trouble. I want to teach them how to stay out of trouble themselves. And I'm trying to figure out how we might be able to make that happen right now. And again, when a driver gets to this point, I really don't know what to do. I, I What I'd really like to be able to help people with, owner-operators, before they get to the point where they're going to lose everything. And it seems like that um, a lot of them are losing everything quickly. Like it's happening really fast. My message is if you are an owner operator, especially talk about company drivers in a little bit, but if you are an owner operator, you have got to look hard right now at whether or not you're going to be able to survive this. And you've got to be brutally honest with yourself. And if you look at the numbers, it's all in the numbers. Nothing else is going to tell you whether or not you're going to survive this downturn or not. It's in the numbers. It's in your business numbers. It's in your personal numbers. We have to look at both. If you determine that the odds are you're just not going to be able to make it through this, then it pays to have an exit strategy and not bury yourself completely. So many things can go wrong during this process that will make the recovery from this much, much more difficult. So a lot of the things people don't realize If you have a truck financed right now and you're starting to get behind on payments, it is, again, I hate to say it's too late. Every day matters, but at some point you've got to decide that this isn't going to work. If you are behind on truck payments right now, I can tell you you're at that point. You you need an exit strategy at that point. It's too late to save this. If you are 
buying recaps because you can't afford new tires, if you are skipping scheduled maintenance because you don't have enough cash in the bank, it's already too late. Let me just tell you that. It is too late to save it at that point. What you need to focus on then is how do you get out without doing so much damage that you won't recover for years. So again, let's go back. You've got a truck financed and you can't make the payments. That truck's going back to the lender at some point. You might as well turn it in voluntarily while the market is still reasonably strong and there's a chance they might sell the truck without too much of a loss. But I can almost guarantee most people right now that are behind on truck payments probably way overpaid for their truck and they're upside down. The truck will get sold. It'll get auctioned. It'll get auctioned at a loss. You are responsible for the deficit. If you don't pay that deficit, even if you file bankruptcy, you now owe tax, income tax on the money. And people say, oh my God, that's crazy. How could I owe income tax on a loan I didn't pay back? Well, that's exactly why you owe income tax on it. It was a loan. You were supposed to pay it back. If you don't pay it back, it is the same as income. Somebody gave you money. You now have to pay tax on that money if you're not going to pay it back. That's the IRS. That does not go away with bankruptcy. That will haunt you for at least 10 years with interest and penalties. If you ever have a prayer of getting back into the industry as an owner-operator, you've got to make this break as clean as possible. And it is a tough, tough decision to make. I know you would much rather... not have to do some of these things and not have to look. And it, 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 I know it's always easier to say, no, I can make it. Uh, I'll be okay. At some point, and now is the point, you've got to look really, really hard at whether or not you can make it or not. You know, this driver here, just, just one story I'm looking at, um, this group gave him $750 for f- fuel, food, and a ride share and a rental car to get him back home to Florida. I'm glad these groups are out there. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to help a lot of people. I don't think many of these groups have a whole lot of money. Um, But again, what's this driver going to do at this point? He he gets back to Florida, doesn't have a job, is is flat broke. Um, One driver that I'm following on Twitter is 1,000 miles from home. He he says today's his last day. He's going to end up in the shelter, and he doesn't even have a ride to the shelter. And I know he's mentioned a special needs daughter. I, I have to assume she's with him as well. These stories are heartbreaking, and I can't believe how fast they're happening. And I want to help as many people as possible not get stuck like this. One of the things I, I may offer, like like I say, I, I don't want to just start handing out money. Uh, I'm glad there are groups out there that do that. It, it's not what I want to do. I do want to help people either avoid um, the worst of this or at least soften the blow a little bit. Um, 
I've got an idea I'm kicking around in my head that that maybe I'll just offer a, a service to help review people's finances and then give them some ideas. So I'll look over personal finance. I'll look over if it's an owner operator, I'll look over their business finance. I'll put a plan together. And I, I would do this at no charge. Obviously, these people need a lot of help. And I, and I really do want to help, but I don't want to just hand people money. Um, I, I know there are people that need it right now, but honestly, it's really not going to um, help people much. I hope there's a way. And, and I know there's some people out there that even if we can't save their business, we can give them a much, much softer landing. And I know people don't think about that when they're in this situation because you're, you're not thinking clearly. You're just desperate. So I'm going to work on some ideas around that and see um, if there's something I can do. Uh, I'd love to hear from people on hiring. Tell me what's going on out on the street. It seems uh, pretty shocking that companies aren't hiring right now. Um, I don't know why the phones are so quiet. We haven't had a single call yet. You guys just thinking that uh, you're going to wait till I'm done with my open today. Um, I've got other stuff. I can talk about it. Um, I'd love to hear from you, see what's going on in your mind. Um, Here's an article, something I've been talking about a long time. Nicola. The uh, electric truck manufacturer, we've been talking about them from day one, called them vaporware in the beginning. I think we were actually correct. They're still really having problems. Um, Here's the headline. Nikola seeks to double shares to keep business going. Um, They can't pay their loans right now. They are in real financial trouble. And... Other than the government pushing electric trucks, I don't think there's going to be much demand for these trucks in an industry that's struggling as much as we're going to be struggling. There will be some big fleets that take a chance on these things, but for the most part, they're not going to sell that well. If um, if Nikola is struggling right now, they're not going to make it. Uh, unless they get a huge, you know, sort of government bailout, which they might, who knows. Um, but this, it's no different for me looking at this as looking at an owner operator, somebody's personal finances. It's not that hard to figure out whether or not you can recover from this. If we were still in a good economy, these things would be, it would be a different story. You might be able to recover from this. We're not. We we are heading into what might be a really bad economy. And anybody that's struggling this early, that's a big sign. You can almost guarantee they're not going to make it. Um, it's shocking how much money may be lost on, uh, on this company. But um, we'll see what happens. Um, not looking good for Nikola right now. Uh, with all this going on, the... Um, the federal government's still pushing for stricter emission standards, pushing for more and more of these electric trucks. Uh, what was the statistic I saw? They want like um, 30% electric trucks by 2032. I mean, that's not that far away at all. This stuff is happening way too fast. And it's uh, it's not good for the industry at all. Um couple odds and ends here. I can remember when we first started talking about autonomous trucks and people would say like, well, who's going to fuel it? 
those are not the problems we have to worry about. Um, Aurora, one of the companies that's been uh, kind of leading the charge, Texas is where a lot of this is going on. Um, Aurora announced that it's built and already using a freight terminal in Texas specifically designed to support the company's self-driving truck network. Those problems that everybody said, oh, well, who's going to do a pre-trip? Yeah, that, that stuff will not be hard to solve. There are problems that are hard to solve with these issues. It's not what everybody thought they were, but we're already seeing terminals being built. This terminal is built and in use already, primarily for autonomous fleets. It, it's going to happen. It's happening already. It's not going to slow down or reverse. It will probably speed up, and we're just going to have to figure out how to deal with it in this industry. Unfortunately, it's coming at a really bad time where we already are seeing drivers displaced because there's not enough work. We're seeing workers displaced around the country with artificial intelligence already. Again, really bad timing. But it's happening, and we better pay attention to it. What else do we have here? Oh, I, I'm, uh, calls are starting to come in, so I'm going to get to them. Um, I do want to touch on this. Here's another maybe just bad timing, but I have a feeling this company is not going to make it. We'll see. I've seen attempts like this before. You know, it's kind of interesting. Truck drivers are are unique in that they're they're not in one place. Our truck drivers spend a lot of time on the road and they're moving from point to point. Companies, all kinds of companies have always looked at truck drivers as a big market. They just don't know how to get to them. Owner operators, same thing. But, you know, companies that want to provide services and products to owner operators see it as a huge market. They can't figure out how to get to them, how to market to them. It's part of what we do. Companies come to us when they want to reach owner operators. Um, because it, like I said, it's a group that a lot of people want to market to and they don't really know how. And here's another example of this. And I have a feeling I, I, I just don't think this company is going to make it. So a company called Interstate Health breaks ground on first driver focused clinic. This company is going to build health clinics, not at truck stops. They're not going to be on the property, but they are going to be very close. Um, they plan on rolling out 60 clinics in the next two years. They have to, um, or, or they plan on, what was their total number. They they had hundreds of locations they are trying to build out. Um, <clears throat> I just don't think this is going to work. Again, I'd like to get some feedback from drivers. How, how much of a struggle have you found it to be finding health services while you're on the road? I, I can say in, you know, my 12 years or so of full-time driving in the beginning, I mean, I own trucks for almost 30, um, my million plus miles on the road, I, I just never, ever thought about this as an issue. I never really needed health services. Well, I did once. I ended up in the hospital. 
a horrible case of food poisoning um, and ended up in the emergency room. But, you know, I, I got to my my delivery point. I had been feeling kind of nauseous all night. And then I backed into the dock and I was waiting and it hit hard, really hard, horrible nausea. Um, I, I called an ambulance and they took me to the emergency room. I don't really see why we need this whole infrastructure for drivers around health. Hell, there's clinics everywhere. There's hospitals all over the place. I don't, I, I don't see the need here. And the other thing I'm not sure if they're paying attention to, or maybe this has changed. I don't know. It's my opinion that drivers don't use health services all that often, even when they need them. That seems to be a thing about drivers. They don't have health insurance. They don't go to the doctor very often, even when they need it. I don't see this making it. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, tell me what you think about this. Now, this is nothing. This has nothing to do with health, by the way. These are clinics you go to when you're sick. It's our, it's our basic sick care system. There's nothing special about this. It isn't holistic. It's not functional. It's not there to help you be healthier. It's just there if you need medical services. I don't know. At, um, and again, maybe this would have worked in a good economy. I don't know what's going to happen in this economy. I guess we'll wait and see. All right, let's uh, let's find out what's on your mind today. Let's go to South Dakota. Eric, welcome to the program. Oh, first, no, wow, okay. <laughs> um, I didn't I didn't catch the first few minutes of the show, um, but I got that you were talking about somebody being stranded and needing money to get home and having to go to some organization point, right? Uh, correct. I'm seeing was- several stories like that in this last week, and it seems like it just happened really fast. Well, I know it's harsh for me to say this, but people need to hear this. You need to be carrying enough money to get home that you don't touch for any other reason whatsoever. Because if you can't afford just at bare minimum $500 to set aside just so that if you're stranded in the middle of nowhere, you can get home to your family or whatever, then you're just you're doing everything wrong. I, I don't care if you can't afford tires. I don't care if you can't afford whatever. If you can't get home, what good does anything else do you? You know, I mean, these guys need to learn that bare minimum, they need to be putting money away that they not touch for any other reason but to get them home in an emergency. You know, know, Eric, it seems so logical for you and I to sit there and say that. And then what do we do when the, the first time something goes wrong, these drivers are completely broke. I mean, they can't get home. I, I don't, and like I said, these groups giving them some money to get them home, that's not going to last long. They're going to run out of money fast. I don't really see what good it does to hand somebody cash these days. All you're doing is postponing the inevitable. This is going to get worse. We are at the very beginning of this. I'm just, uh, like I said, I I really do want to help people. It's just, it's what I do. I'm struggling with how do you help people in a situation like this? 
a, a driver who can't get home, just has zero money, can't get home, you know, at some point is going to get kicked out of the hotel they're in and, and then is making the claim they don't even have a way to get to the shelter. Yeah, it's called a walking. Yeah, exactly. And now if we look at owner-operators yeah, who are struggling at this point already, all I can do to help those people is maybe give them a softer landing so they don't do much damage. Well, that, that's the state. You can't help somebody directly because you do it once, then they realize they like it, and it happens over and over and over and over again. You know, it's kind of like why you don't feed wild bears because they come back. It, it, you know. No, you're you're right, and it helps themselves. Yeah, it, it it's really hard to look at these people and say what what good is six hundred dollars going to do you right now? You need a plan. Just just handing you cash, you have no plan. Their only plan is they need to eat and they need a place well, to sleep tonight. I mean, that's I, I really it. Uh, I'm also go ahead. I'm also more jaded about it because. I've been bitten by by my own feelings of empathy and sympathy for other people. Just every truck stop you go to, there's some asshole there begging for change because he and his family are stranded. And I know. Money. I know. And I'm like, you know what? And most of the time, it's bullshit. You know, and it, some guys have a really good story. Some guys do it really well. Oh, yeah. And then I realized afterwards that I got taken for more money again. You know? <laughs> no, I, I I get it. And, you know, those people have been around throughout this whole thing. Um, what we're seeing now is a new group that wasn't there. They weren't at that point in life, but they are now. Right. They're just going to fall into the system, and now they're going to end up being the, the welfare recipients. You know, the, the, the scary part is uh, when you look at our homeless populations, especially here on the West Coast and how they've exploded in the last decade, and and now we're facing this, I, I don't know. I You know, I hate to come on here every day and be such a Debbie Downer all the time, but I've got to be realistic. I, I want people to wake up and see what's happening. Well, I, I have a similar issue in that I'm listening to several books. You know, I rotate through because I get bored with one and I switch to a different one. And, but it's like I'm in the middle of the end of the world at just the beginning. I'm in the middle of the cancer code, you know, and I've got a couple of others running. And I'm just like, all I'm doing is depressing myself. I, I don't know. The end of the world is just the beginning. Like I said, I'm only partway through it. I may be halfway through it. And it just sounds to me like we should just give up. I mean, the world is on the decline, and we're done. And I don't, I don't know where we're going to go from there. But it's like that—that's the sort of thing. It's like every time I turn around, there's something else piling onto it. I'm like, I don't know what the hell. <laughs> no, I. I, I that's why I have a hard time uh, with my diet too, because then I, I look to something like that, and the first thing I do is I go into the truck stop and have a pizza. You know. No, it's a, it, it's exactly right, and and people will start to think that way when the news is so bad. These homeless people that get a hundred bucks from whatever somebody hands them money or a group gives them money, it's just as likely they'll go out and get drunk with it. 
And the thought is, my God, the world's ending. What good's a hundred bucks going to do me? I might as well at least enjoy it. Um, I took a... Or I can always go bait for more later. Yeah, I I am cutting way, way back on my news consumption again. I know I go in cycles on this. Um, Zero news this weekend. I, I turned off my phone, turned off the computers, turned off the TV, um, hung out and, you know, lived a normal life and worked in the garden and around the house and enjoyed myself. And Monday, I, you know, of course, I'm going, getting ready to go on the air. I, I've got to know what's going on in the world. Um, nothing's changed. It, it's, it's just gotten worse. I think we're in for some tough, tough times. Hey, total, uh, subject share. This is something I've wanted to say to you for a couple of weeks now, for maybe longer, because you've talked about the land you bought, your plans on moving and trying to, you know, do whatever you're going to do. But I thought, hell, if you have the ability, I'd like to see you buy the Jupiter truck stop that's right down the road from you. You know, I mean, you could, you, you could try to yeah, obviously you'd have to leave things in place like the convenience store with all the junk because that's just money. But you could add in all of your uh, partners like Paleo Valley, put their good food in one aisle of it. You'd be able to talk Bruce into starting, a, you know, instead of Pittsburgh Power, it could be Portland Power. Get an MD alignment shop in there. I mean, hell, you could have that whole thing set up. You'd probably do your own, uh, like the CMC again, but in your own facility it's got a hotel and everything right there hey, believe, like all you gotta hey, do is come up with the money to buy the jubin hey but, but i i did a cmc there at the jubin yeah yeah i did a cmc at the hotel oh in one of the meeting rooms at the hotel i'm trying to remember what year it would have been i'm thinking like 2006 I did a CMC at the Jubits. Yeah. No, we're not buying the Jubits. The last business I want to be in is on no. a truck stop. I, I remember some time ago, somebody had talked to me or, or, you know, like said something about starting a truck stop. And I'm like, why would you start one? There's one right there. But, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Now, it, 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 honestly, it is a horrible business model. I can't imagine it. You need all that expensive real estate for parking. Um, Jubits, especially, Jubits is not like your typical truck stop right off the interstate. You know, Jubits is in a goofy place. Um, and, and it's Portland. Come on. Well... Yeah, but you already kind of live there. I mean, I know you're out. If I look, there's no way I want to own a truck stop for any reason. Now, your idea of having a, you know, a place where all the things we do, the food, the services, that that I that was really the that was the idea behind um, Robert Fitzgerald and, and ourselves starting we were going to build locations like that service locations based on that model of we're not here to fix your truck when it's broke we're here to make your truck better and make it so it doesn't break as often we wanted to work on fuel economy preventative maintenance those kind of things and then we were going to kind of franchise that model around the country uh unfortunately that uh as a mental exercise, I just thought that would kind of be an awesome thing because how you could add things into it on the health side, like 
Hell, you could you could put in an osteo strong location through Jacobs Biomedical. You know, yeah, now that, that you know, have a, here's here's the other systems there for people to use. You know, here's the other thing I just talked about this morning with this um, mm-hmm. medical, you know, sick care system that wants to be by truck stops. I, I can think of many, many business models that have attempted this. There were companies that attempted gyms at truck stops. We've seen chapels at truck stops. Now we've seen medical clinics. And this isn't the first attempt at medical clinics at truck stops. There have been other attempts that failed. There's chiropractors at a lot of them already. Yeah, exactly. You tend to get some of those local practitioners that, you know, will do DOT physicals and that kind of stuff. And they do okay. You can support, you know, a a one or two man operation, maybe. I I can't think of a single business that has started up to build around truck stops that has survived. Honestly, my original thinking years ago was that Every truck stop should have a Waffle House next to it because everybody wants to go to the Waffle House, and the one thing Waffle House never has is truck parking. So anytime there is a location next to a truck stop, they do really well. Yeah. You know, but of course, I know. You know, now it's like I have to avoid the Waffle House because I can't control myself when I go to one. <laughs> see, see, Waffle House is one of my favorite places to eat. Still for breakfast, it's so easy: meat and eggs. They make awesome meat and eggs. And oh, yeah. I'll eat a little bit of the, you know, scattered, smothered, and covered potatoes. Sure. No, I, I will. But then, you know, sometimes I go, well, I could have the chili, but the chili. But then when I have the chili, I want a grilled cheese sandwich. Oh, and then it just the, goes down. Well, well, there you go. Yeah, now I get it. All right. Hey, I just looked at the board. The calls are flooding in. We're going to get to them. Let's go to Oklahoma. Paul, welcome to the program. Howdy. Um, that Aurora terminal, it's right there. Sorry about the noise. It's right there off I-45. And uh, I go past regularly. And you see the trucks in there. When I came up there on Saturday morning, I guess they don't do a whole lot of weekend work at the moment. I guess they... The drivers that have got to be in the truck so they can go down the road at the moment, they don't want to work on the weekend because when you come past on Saturday, they're always lined up there. Yeah, a lot of... And they have fancy parking. They got the tent coverage. A lot of these companies that are running these autonomous vehicles are on very scheduled contracted freight. And a lot of it is just running Monday through Friday. A lot of appliances... Uh, being moved down there in a couple lanes, but uh, it, it's a lot more scheduled. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, you can spot them when they're coming because like the Waymo trucks that go up and down there as well, they they got all the cameras and everything oh, yeah. hanging off them. So. Right, right. Um, yeah, here's, you know, but, uh, it, it was just not that long ago when we first started talking about this. Oh, it'll never happen. Oh, it's just not going to happen in my lifetime. It's happening already. Here, Here's a terminal yeah. built to support autonomous trucks. Yeah, it's, um, it's either just up the road or just down the road. Redneck, actually. Ah, okay. Yeah. Interesting. But, but uh, um, in, in my neighborhood, there's a milk tanker company. They're advertising uh, for drivers, and they're still paying over $100,000 a year. 
and they're still advertising. Interesting. And, and yet, you got to live in the, you got to live in the circle. You know, like a, I was just like a 50, 60 mile radius circle. You got to live you know, there to work for them. But here's the yep. thing. If you're to a point where you're ready to go to a shelter because you can't find a job, you better be ready to move if you have to. Yeah, it's like, oh, look, I've got nothing that I <laughs> yeah. can put to my name because I live I, I live the standard American lifestyle where oh, yeah, everything I own is I'm making payments on it. It's not actually mine, but I'm trying to own it because that's the American lifestyle. It didn't take me long to work that out, so. Yeah, exactly. That that is it. And, you know, it it's crazy how fast things changed. I can remember in 2020, late 2020, after we had hit the lockdowns for a while and they, they were reporting Americans had more cash than ever. Credit card debt was the lowest it had been in decades. The savings rate was the highest it had been in decades because the government was handing out money everywhere and nobody could go anywhere to spend it. And it was I I was shocked how fast people were saving money. I'm like, well, I guess there's one good side to this. It obviously didn't last long, though. They're dropping like flies already. Yeah, you can take your mask off. You can go go back to work or go back to living and it's like, oh. I'll go and buy whatever I want. Man, I, but I yeah, didn't have the money to buy before, but so I'm not. I'm not really worried if if the economy takes a bit of a tank because I've been listening to you for a long time. So I got money in the bank in my business account. I got money in the bank in my personal account, and my truck and trailer's paid for. When it comes to the work, I can go work for the milk tank company around the corner. That, that's right. You know, and, and, and that's that's the thing. You, you've got plan B, and it, it's not like you have to sit down and write it out and print it and make a book out of it. But in the back of your mind, you should at least have a pretty good idea what you're going to do if things really go south. The problem with a lot of people I'm seeing, they have left themselves with zero options. You know, I should probably do a whole show on that. On ha, Have you created options for yourself and your business? If this happens, what can you do? And when I'm, I'm looking at these people, they have no options left. How do you help? The only way you can help somebody who has completely run out of options is just pure charity. You just have to give them money. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not a fan of that. Me either. I, I don't. I, there's nothing I like about that. Now you call me cruel, but I, I don't care. I don't want to hand this guy five hundred dollars just to get him home so he can go to a shelter at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's where he gets mail somewhere in the, I, that, that area. So. Yeah, at at that yeah. point, like I say, it. it it's really life, business, all of these things is about always making sure you have an option. What is plan B, C, D? How many backup plans do you have? The more you have, the better off you are. Yeah. Well, when I came to this country, it, I'll keep the story short. In 2000, January the 17th, uh, I had, had a couple of credit cards. I had about a thousand dollars cash on me, American money, and I didn't. Ex- I had a job to go to when I came, and I came on a H two B visa, and 
that first company I worked for, they they just flat out lied. They're no longer in business because <laughs> they didn't. Because they lied, right? Um, yeah, but they they imported a lot of New Zealanders to come over here and drive. That year I came, they bought four hundred people from New Zealand over here, and about a third of them would say screw you, and they quit and they go work somewhere else. And about a third would say, screw you, done with this shit. They went back to New Zealand, Rosie. And about a third stayed. And the, the company kept changing names. <laughs> Rising Phoenix. Hey, hey, Paul. Paul. Then it was, Paul, did you, did you just stick your head and your phone in a cement mixer? What the hell's going on? I can't hear a thing. No, I, no, I, I, I got up here in the wind. Yeah. Is that any better? No. Oh, hang on. Let That's me. a little better. Yeah, I didn't. All right, maybe I got near too. Uh, actually, I don't want it. I was on my number one position. I was standing there above the engine. <laughs> there you I'm go. On top of the truck. Got it. Unloaded. The, um, yeah, so they kept changing names, and then eventually they went out of business. But... um. Then 2000, and the end of 2000, I moved into hauling cars, and I've been doing that ever since. 2004, I bought my first truck. 2007, I started listening to you. Been listening ever since. Frequently calling, as many people know. But the last few years, I've been putting money in the bank and... I got just about enough money where I could pay my house off. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Yeah, well, uh, my net worth in this country, it would be worth about 400000 in 23 years. Got it. Got it. So, so I guess you're doing all right. Yeah, there, absolutely. So you know, there, there's a there's a pattern if we look historically. And hey, Paul, I, I'm going to cut you loose. The noise is is um, getting bad. Um, if you look historically, there's a pattern. It happens with civilizations or countries. It happens with families. We're seeing it in this country right now. It happens. I've talked about family businesses. Uh, very, very common pattern. I've watched it over and over, but we're, we're seeing it as a country. We became too successful. And you see it in families. One generation works their entire life to build a business. And that business tends to get really successful as those original founders hit their 50s and 60s. Those are our two most productive decades. Uh, It's when most millionaires are made during their 50s and 60s. Businesses tend to grow. Um, I'm right in the middle of that time now, and I can say my 50s were by far my most productive um, years, no doubt. The, The danger there many times is the children of those people that had these businesses and built them up. We want to give our children the things we didn't have. 
And if we give them material things, it usually ends up being a big mistake. That second generation of a business many times uh, will destroy the business. If the second generation doesn't destroy it, the third almost always does. In family businesses, that is a very, very common pattern. You see very successful generations, and then you see the generation after them not successful at all. The same thing can happen in a civilization. We became so successful. It became so easy to just get by and live and still enjoy a pretty darn good lifestyle without working all that hard. And then each generation gets a little lazier. They get a little less motivated. And we're there now. And, and you know, you can say, oh, it's this generation. Well, this generation is no different than you and I. They're just human beings. We raised them. We raised them differently than we were raised. Society has changed. But what we see now is we see an awful lot of people who don't really have a good financial plan for life. They, they're they just barely getting by when the economy was really good. And, and now we're seeing what's going to happen when the economy is not so good. Let's go to South Carolina. Terrence, welcome to the program. How you doing, Kevin? I got a couple of things. Like, uh, as far as the hiring goes, my company's hiring, but what they're doing now is I'm noticing, like, uh, they have people, like, if they get a speed tick or anything, they're just w- cutting people loose. Ah, and they're hiring okay. people up new. So basically, they're cleaning yeah. house. That, you know what I mean? There's they, a really smart carrier. They need them for work. That, 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 that's a smart yeah, carrier. They need them for work. Uh, yep. Yep, so let, yep. let, let's but, think uh, they're about not this. that spot. <laughs> let, let's think about this. The last couple decades, I have watched trucking companies, and, and a lot of times do really stupid shit, but I've watched them bend over backwards to do anything to keep drivers happy or to lure more drivers over to their fleet. Go buy a bunch of big hoods, you know, because drivers like them. Who cares about fuel economy or any of the, the numbers? All they could focus on was there was freight. It paid pretty good. You just had to get a driver in the truck. And they were willing to do almost anything to get those drivers in the truck. And here's another thing. When When I go, you know, speak in other industries, which I do occasionally, or I go to other events and I'm talking to other business people and we get, everybody's always curious about trucking. They always want to know about trucking. And, you know, I'll be talking to people and I'll say, well, imagine an industry that has over a hundred percent turnover constantly for years and years, even decades, a hundred percent turnover. And then I always use Swift as an example. Swift had somewhere between 15 and 20,000 employees when I used to tell the story. And I used to know the math right off the top of my head. I don't know what the numbers are now, but I would go through a typical year for a company like Swift. If you've got 15,000 employees and you have a hundred percent turnover, that means you are hiring 15,000 employees year after year after year, just to stay the same size, not to grow. And then I would break it down. 
that's this many drivers a month, this many drivers a week, and they have to recruit this many drivers every single day just to stay the same size. Mm -hmm. And people would look at me and go, how do you run a business like that? I I don't know. We've been doing it in trucking for a couple Mm -hmm. decades, but those times are over. And, And drivers in all these years, if you knew how to drive a truck, you should never have to worry about being broke, hungry, homeless, jobless. You, you always had a job unless you screwed up your your license so bad or, or your driving record. But that was pretty rare. Right. I, I would talk to people in other industries and say, it, not only do we have this huge turnover, but most trucking companies have written policies about hiring drivers that already quit from their company. In most industries, if you quit, there's no way you're getting hired back. But that happens all the time in trucking. (laughs) Yep. Oh, yeah. So so as far as uh, you're like this, I learned something the other day, and it could have been a tragedy, but so my truck's been down, so I've been bouncing between quad axles, tri-axles, and all. So they put me in this truck. I go to get in it at the auto ship. And the, the button's on the, like a column, I'm on the dash, like down on the bottom. So I go to get in it. I do my walk around and I start the truck up and I go to, I always check to put the thing in gear first and reverse, make sure all that works. Well, I put it in reverse and, uh, it moved. The parking brake was on. I'm like, oh, I think good. So I tried it in forward. Long story short, they tell me to bring it in the shop. I bring it in the shop. I drive it through with the drive through shop. And they tell me to shut the truck off and pump the brakes down. <laughs> okay. I do that. Tell me to start the truck up after the brakes are done. I said, now what? Push the, push the, put it in drive. Put it in drive. Kevin, the truck went through the other side of the garage door. <laughs> so I'm like, but, but right, I mean, the way brakes used to work the old way, right? Am I right? Once the air was depleted. The truck wouldn't go anywhere. Well, correct, because the cage brakes are locked. That's what happens when you have not a wow. pressure. That it, you know, we've done a, a couple shows where we go through back to the basics, how, how the air brake system works, because a lot of drivers don't understand how it works. Yeah, it was, uh, and then, and like, they... You know, the, the, my dispatcher, the ops guy, and the safety guy were all in the shop when it happened. They're yelling, stop. I'm, I'm standing on the brake, natural instinct, right? Right. I'm trying. I've been in three different trucks. I'm trying to put the truck in neutral like the one I usually drive. The thing's on the column. It's like, you know, like a, like a windshield wiper thing. It's a drive and reverse. Well, I'm going to reach for that. I'm trying to turn the key off. The western side I was in the day before was lower. I was like frantic. And I, I, I nothing I could do. The door, the actual garage, garage door stopped. Me. What stopped? Me. I got out. I was delivered. I was like, "This is effing unacceptable." Yeah. What just happened here? I said somebody could have got killed. And I, so I'm reason why I'm saying this. I mean, I was at, I mean, I was. I could say I'm at fault because I should have known better. But I, I wasn't thinking. I'm thinking that if it's not going to go nowhere, but just anybody that with these newer trucks, man. You go to with the automatics. Do you have an issue with your parking brake? Don't do what I did. So, but it, it, yeah. then they go, "Oh, you didn't do nothing wrong." I'm like, "Damn!" Ish. I'm like, "Damn right, I didn't do nothing wrong." Yeah. So the, they sent me home. There, there was a. I time. went fishing. Now. I went. I went home. Went fishing. <laughs> there you go. 
There was a time I had three trucks. This was at FedEx. One was a traditional manual transmission. One was a three-pedal auto shift. We don't see too many of those anymore. It was an auto shift, but it did have a clutch. And then the third one was a two-pedal auto shift. And because I was, you know, I had full-time drivers back then, I would float around and just fill in when somebody needed a day off or they were sick or on vacation or whatever. I'll tell you what, those three trucks would make you crazy when you had to get in and out of them. And I'll tell you the one thing I almost, I almost got into an accident. It would always be the three pedal truck that the three pedal auto shift, because I'd either be used to, you know, the true auto shift where you just roll up and, you know, hit the brakes and you stop, or I'd be used to using a clutch and a brake and shifting, but you'd get in that truck and you still had to shift. But when you were coming up to an intersection, and you're rolling yeah, up, you, you start to get on the brake. And then all of a sudden you realize this thing's not going to stop. The transmission's still in gear and it's fighting you. And your instinct is just push the brake harder. And then it finally dawns on you, <laughs> this thing's still in gear and you got to push in the clutch. Yeah. Yeah, trying to drive those three trucks on and off was just, uh, it was frustrating. I tell you, it was like, a, and I'm thinking, you know, you know, I'm thinking they're going to fire me. But. I'm watching this video online and I've been talking about today, autonomous vehicles. And we talked about all those things. Well, how are they going to do this? How are they going to do this? Here's one I never thought of. This is kind of interesting. And this is a video I'm watching. There's a car. I can't tell what kind of car this is. What is that? Looks like a Rivian, maybe. I can't tell. From the steering wheel, we're seeing the inside of the car. There's a person sitting in the passenger seat, but there's nobody in the driver's seat. So it clearly has autonomous. Oh, it's a Jaguar. I just saw the symbol on the steering wheel. There's a cop in front of it trying to direct traffic. I never thought about this. How will cops direct autonomous vehicles? Somebody better come up with a solution. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's so much stuff. Like, you think you know, everyone's like this, and they would think, and then how are they going to do this, this, and this? And sometimes we're overlooking a, a simple thing like that. Wow, that's amazing. That's yeah, amazing. There's a solution. Uh, I like you know, somebody's going to have to figure it out. It's going to require some sort of um, standardized remote control that law enforcement has. Uh, yeah. That's the solution. Uh, I just wanted to get that out there about people with that. All right. Good. Them breaks, man. So if you ever have that predicament. Good stuff. All right. Let's go to Illinois. Carl, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Yeah, I'm actually been kind of concerned about, like, quitting my job because uh, uh, our my company in particular, they've uh, they've cut back down on buying new trucks. But my concern right now with the company is they're wanting to start collecting biometric data on all their drivers. What does that mean? What do you mean they want to collect biometric uh, data? What data? Um, they don't exactly explicitly say what they're collecting, but under the law that they're citing on the data they're collecting is the geometric, uh, you know, shape of the head, so they're able to ident- identify you, you know, uh, from head and face. So facial uh, recognition. It includes the, 
it's not just facial recognition. It'll actually know who you are besides going, oh, hey, that's a face. Well, no, that's what so facial recognition. Hold, hold on. That's what facial recognition does. It looks, it can identify us as accurately as a fingerprint. That's the whole point of facial recognition. It's just not recognizing there's a face there. It's recognizing who the face belongs to. This stuff's being used on traffic cameras and street cameras and all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, I don't like that idea either. Why does a carrier, is this a carrier we're talking about, by the way? Yeah. Yeah. Why does it, are we talking about a rear facing camera that the first thing it does is identify that you're the correct driver in the truck? At least by what I'm understanding is uh, they're going to be using the driver facing camera to determine who's in the truck. So when you log into your ELD, it automatically knows who you are. You know, I just saw a story about this. They caught a guy after a long time who had been logging a a fictitious driver so he could drive as much as he wanted to he he claimed and he had the whole eld thing programmed with another driver in there and there was no other driver but yeah under the law it also includes uh the eyes so the iris and the retina includes the hands as well you said you've made a phrase twice now under the law what law what are we talking about uh, there is a law in um, Illinois. Uh, it's the biometric information habit here. Uh, yeah. yeah, here it is. 740. Illinois um ILCS14 Biometric Information Policy Act. Okay. And um I've read over it and it's just about legislation for um allowing companies to start collecting this data and using it in in their businesses and I don't mind that the the, the camera is facing the driver that makes logical sense to me but collecting this kind of data you have to sign a release form and i'm beginning to wonder if you know they're gonna the company is going to start forcing us to sign this release form or we have to quit and with the whole driver shortage it's kind of scary at least for me well yeah there's not much of a driver shortage anymore there's going to be a job shortage here if, if the yeah, not the driver shortage yeah. the job shortage yeah the, yeah the job shortage is the bigger problem here now I'm just going to make a statement, and this is just me and how I feel. I I just said you've got to have plan B and C, and you shouldn't be too picky in a a time like this, and you've got to pay the bills and all that. I I, I get that. Um, This is just for myself. I know that I've put myself in a position with a good enough driving record. I I can go get a job. When we get to the very bottom of this market, I would still be confident that I could either go get a job driving or I could put a truck on the road and make some money. Having said that, this would be a no-go for me. There's no way I'm signing this. No, you're not putting the driver-facing camera and collecting all this data. It's just not going to happen. I, I'll figure out some other job. I don't care. That That's just me. 
Um, you've got to decide, do you have another plan and how strongly do you feel about this? Some people don't care. Some people say, I don't care. It's a camera. So what? I have stronger feelings about that. I don't want to be watched all day long. If you're hiring me, then you should trust me. You shouldn't have to watch me all day long. Yeah, so I've already decided uh, that I'm, you know, if the company's going to force this issue, I'm going to, you know, quit and find another job. I'm actually already looking at other job options. So, you know, if they do say, hey, you need to sign, I have somewhere to go. Yep. Yep, that's 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 a good that's plan. That's, that's that's what I'd be doing if if they allow exemptions or they decide not to do this. Fine, then I'll still work here. But if you're going to force this, then I'm gone. That that's a that's a no go for me. Yeah, same here. Because it, it's just the scary thing is is uh, what happens if like a hacker gets a hold of all this kind of information, like. Now they could that, do a that, lot that, with well, it. Well, I'm going to uh, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. What could they do with it? And why would a hacker do this? Let's think about something for a second. Hacking is really, really difficult. Being a criminal is not. Let's not confuse these things here. And, And I think a lot of people confuse this in their mind. Any idiot can walk into a store and shoplift something. Any idiot can pull out a gun and rob somebody on the street. That's not what we're talking about here though. So hacking things is extremely difficult, takes very, very specialized skills and lots and lots of time. Most of the hacking that's going on is not being done by a lot of individuals. It's being done by big organized groups, well-funded, and they go after targets that they can make a lot of money from bank accounts, credit card accounts, things that they can steal and hack into. How are they going to make any money hacking into your eye color or the shape of your iris or any of this biometric data? How would a hacker make money from that? Well, one of the things that I see is since it includes handprints, they could use that to unlock your phone because they'll be able to have access to your whole wait, wait a minute. So, so there's some again, these hackers are usually in places like Russia and North Korea and Iran. We certainly have some here. But even then, you're a random truck driver driving around the country. They're going to try to hack your truck system so that they can get your fingerprint data so they can recreate a fingerprint. Then they have to come find you and steal your phone. And then what are they going to steal out of your phone? You would have to have your bank account or credit card information in there. It's just not practical or logical. They're not going to do that. Hello? Did we lose you? Yeah, still here. Okay. I just, there's enough in our country and in our world to worry about right now. And again, I said they're not taking, they're not putting a camera on me. That's just my preference, but I I don't worry that they're going to sell my data and somehow it's going to hurt me. Who are they going to sell it to? Who wants my data? It, It does them no good. It's a lot of work for nothing. What these groups do is they, like I said, these are big hacking groups that they don't go after individuals. They go after the credit card company itself, hack into that and get everybody's credit card number. Now we can sell a credit card number on the black market. 
You, you got to follow all this stuff through. If there's no money at the end of the deal, it's not going to happen. They're not going to hack your biometric information unless they can figure out how to make a lot of money from it. So it's not the hacking right, thank you, Kevin. It and or the privacy issue. I, I just, it's a trust issue. I, I've been driving a truck for a long, long time without a camera on me. I don't want one on me now. Let's go to California, Voitech. Welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. So I am shocked that at any one point in history, New Zealand had extra 400 drivers to export. I thought it only had about 400 trucks at total. <laughs> so that's an interesting, interesting point. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, they, they must be growing. Uh, anyway, uh, today seems to be uh, stranded driver story time. And I've always was since I started driving over the road, I was shocked and people came up to me and said, Hey, we need money for food or whatever. I was like, you gotta be kidding me in this industry. I know it doesn't make but, any sense. But I, so, so let's, yeah, I've seen people selling, you know, TV radios on uh, the, the fuel pump and try to get some cash. But and I remember I, there was a team. So let's, let's think about this for a go second. Ahead. If things start to go bad, whatever, I mean, you, you can't make your house payment or whatever. I get it. That's a horrible place to be. But I've always thought I have the ability to drive a truck. I'm never going to be broke or hungry or homeless because I can go get a job driving the truck and I can live in the truck. At this point, I have zero expenses and it's not difficult to make a thousand dollars a week. I can take some of the work, these, these horrible 1099 driving jobs, like we're talking about here. And I could make a thousand bucks a week. Wouldn't be hard at all. How can you not survive? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. That's why I always thought these people, they're just, you know, scammers. But I remember, and it stuck in my memory, this team, husband and wife, the, 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 the despair in their faces and in their eyes, just like they were at the end of the road. And I couldn't believe, like, how are you hungry, begging for food and money at the truck stop when you're a team? Yes. And, you know, they told me their horror story. And I didn't give them any money because I just don't... I don't want to support that and they probably were telling me a lie but in any case i've actually found myself in a situation many years ago where i had to rely on charity of other truck drivers but not for cash i broke down in rawlings if i'm at the flying j my xy shifter went out on that stupid three-pedal auto shift. <laughs> and it was, it was wind, it was cold, yeah. right? So, and it was a Saturday. It was a Saturday. So I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? I got to load, I got to deliver it all, you know. So I took the XY shifter off the transmission. I found the XY shifter. The only place that was open on a Saturday or and a Sunday was a Volvo dealer in Denver. I hitched a ride with a truck driver from Rawlings to Cheyenne. He dropped me off in Cheyenne. And then I found another driver. It took several hours to buy my story and take me from Cheyenne to Denver. Sunday morning, I was at the dealer when they opened. It's the only dealer that I knew of in that area that was open on the weekend. Bought the damn thing, $1,100. 
And then I was trying to get back to Rawlings. I couldn't find anybody, so I just rented a U-Haul, drove the U-Haul back to Rawlings, put the shifter back. I was back on the road, took the uh, U-Haul back to Rawlings because they had a drop-off there. Walked, walked slash biked because I used to have a bike with me. <laughs> right. Through the snow, back to the truck stop. I was on the road back. I was back on the road less than 24 hours later. But some, in some, the point is, in some cases, yes, drivers do need help on the road. But if it's if they're only begging for money and they have a story, and it, it's most likely bullshit. And even if so, I'm not. I, yeah, I, I'm with you. And I've, you know, a lot of us have been through those situations. You walk to get apart. You, you do whatever you have to do, and occasionally you do need help. There's no doubt. A couple things about that. One, after it's all over, I know when it's happening, it just sucks. After it's all over, don't you kind of feel good about yourself? I I, I figured it of out. Course. It was I mean, a really yeah. bad situation. I figured it out. I I I managed to do it. So you know those. Those really hard times can build character. My point is we're so early into this and we have people who are completely broke. There's nothing I can do to help these people except hand them cash. And I hate that part. I don't, I don't want to just hand people cash because what are they going to do next week? Right, exactly. You know, it's the whole teach a man to fish philosophy. Right. And it's just not. People aren't willing to, you know, do the hard work. So, yeah, no, that, yeah. that's that's exactly right. And you know, it doesn't matter if if things were that good and they're in this position now. It, Wojtek, I'm going to cut you loose. Calls are piling up on me. Um, I, I, so I, I'm bringing this up and I'm talking about it because I do want to help people, and there are going to be a lot of people who need help. There are owner operators out there right now who are struggling, but they could survive if they have a good plan. There are company drivers who are struggling. If they had a good plan, they could survive. I want to figure out a way to reach people and help them when they can still be helped. And and once they're at a truck stop begging for money just to get home, I, that's beyond um my ability to help at that point. So I, you know, it, it, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I'm going to keep thinking about that, working on it though. Let's go to Arizona. Brandy, welcome to the program. Thanks, Kevin. Um, so I have an idea of how to help somebody in, in the now. Okay. So um, obviously you would be, you would be concerned about just giving money and what would they do with the money? Well, how about an intermediary? Um, used to go to, when I had regular run and I'd go through a certain area, I would go to a trucker's chapel and I got to know the chaplain and you, you give when you, you would give money to him and then he, as people would come through the truck stop with a bus stop or whatever, and there would be people that would come to him and ask him, I need, I, I'm stranded here and I need to get a ride home. Well, he wouldn't go give them money. He'd go get them a bus ticket. And you would truly yeah. know if the person was really going to do that. Yeah, and I agree with that. And then, and so, we need groups like that, and I'm glad they exist. It, the, the problem is what we're facing right now here. And I'm talking about a couple of very specific cases I've been following on social media all last week. These are drivers who can't get a job. They've been trying for an entire week. And if you spend a week trying to get a driving job and you can't get one, something's wrong. 
either this economy has really shifted yeah. that bad or these guys have, you know, a couple dings on their record or, or whatever it might be. So here's a driver now who's got a day or two left in the hotel on borrowed money. I mean, somebody's already given them money to get a couple more days in the hotel while they're still looking for a job. That money's gone. They're a thousand miles from home and they're wondering how they're going to get to the shelter. Well, yeah, I can give this person money well, and it can be for a bus ticket. I don't have to hand them the cash, but where, what's plan B here? So now they get home and they're broke. So they'll go to a shelter at home. I, I just don't see the point. Well, the thing is, when your home is your center point, it's like your location. It's where everything, all your stuff's at, and it's where you want to make your plans from. And then, um, what plans? you know, just to that, be home that is to that be the problem. That, there is no plan, and well, if that's the case, obviously, you then it just requires more and more money to support these people. Oh yeah, I get that, but the, obviously, it's like uh, the 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 starfish. You can't get them all. You you got that one, but you can't get them all. You can't take them for your entire life. Correct. But you so, can at least get them home. Well, and well, well, so hold on. Wait the a thing minute. is Here's what I'm um, trying to determine. And, and these other groups can do whatever they want. I, I'm really thinking about myself, and, and I do want to help. There are people out there who will benefit from this help. There are people in a situation, whether they're an owner-operator or a driver, that I could help. I have the ability. I could give them a plan, and they could actually – make it through this, maybe save their business, save their personal finances, then there are a bunch of people who aren't going to be able to be helped. And and I'm looking at somebody right now that this story I'm talking about, two or three of them, the, I, I, there's no way I'm going to get these people out of the mess they're in. They are going to end up homeless. They're going to end up at a shelter. And then what? I mean, how do you fight back from that now? So I don't want to, and, and I know this is going to sound really cold and callous, but I don't want to waste my time on the people who can't, who can't figure this out, no matter how much help I give them. I want to make yeah. sure if I'm going to use my time and my resources that I have odds of actually helping somebody. So um, how you would go up. So like we say these drivers, you want to help immediately. You want if you were just simply wanted to get them home, but you didn't want to just give them cash. Well, obviously there are. No, you're, 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 you're you're missing my point. I don't want to get them just. No, I understand you want to help them longer. That's, that's the whole point. You get, you have to stop after you say that. I'm not going to give this guy a bus ticket to get home. I'm not, I, I have to make that decision. I want to go find the people that I can actually help that have a chance at making it through this. Yeah. I'll support those other groups that want to help these people. Maybe I'll give them some money and let the groups do that. I don't want to be a part of that. I I don't. And like I said, a lot of people are going to go, well, that's pretty cruel. These are the people at the very bottom. I get it. I don't know how to help those people. How about. I know how how to help somebody who has made some poor business decisions and comes to the realization that the economy is getting tight and they might be in trouble. I absolutely know how to help those people. And I can. And I won't be 100 percent successful Mm -hmm. because some of them won't comply or but I I don't know how to help these people at the very bottom. It's not that I don't care about them. I do. I I just don't know what to do for them other than just keep giving them money. How about the 
about the information just since I'm giving out is that if you are stranded, you can contact churches. They give with food banks and they will probably help you if you, yeah, you just don't you don't give up. You, that's you good just, advice. It, it, the help doesn't just have to come from the trucking industry. Wherever you are in the country, there are charitable organizations that could help you. That's good advice. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and a book recommendation, <laughs> clear off the topic, is uh, The Rise of the Fourth Reich about COVID and a whole bunch of information. Real page turner, except the audio, but um, fantastic book. And then I was thinking about, you know, you were saying how you don't want to be uh, Debbie Downer. Have you thought of, uh, of this fight or flight mode is sort of addictive, that the more you 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 get into it the more you want more of it even though it's completely pessimistic say that again hello <laughs> well i i tend to like uh, news that has to do with uh, that fear and no you don't you, you know you you don't when you're out here you don't know how bad it could be so when you read the news and, and you see what's happening in our world, then you, you feed on it. And so negative news feeds on negative news. You, the first caller, seemed to say something about that. And I was thinking about how you don't want to be a Debbie Downer. Then it was just a thought, like I said, I think, while I drive. And uh, I just thought that fight or flight mode in your mind. It's like, how am I going to survive? And, you know, and that kind of thing. And yet fear. I guess I'm not making myself. Yeah. yeah I'm not. Way. Yeah. I, I'm maybe it's just me. I'm not getting what the point is. It, I, I like solutions. I like to solve problems. Yeah. So I get frustrated when there don't seem to be a lot of solutions. We're, we're in a point where there are far more problems right. than there seem to be solutions. And I hate to keep pointing out the problems, but I have to. And hopefully we'll start to figure out some solutions. Um, but even even the book you just recommended, I want to read it. Sounds interesting to me. I, I'm being much more careful about what I read these days. I, I've got to kind of manage my energy levels and um, not get too frustrated and too discouraged when, you know, I'm seeing stories like I've been talking about now, people, I, I just can't help. I don't know what I could possibly do for some of these people. Let's go to Texas. Fred, welcome to the program. Hey brother, can you spare a dime? Oh man, that, um, <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, been a long time so since we've been- had to think about this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Kevin, uh, people want help when they don't have to do any work for it. I know. I'm a firm believer in it. Not all, not all, not all. I'm not saying, you know, uh, I've, you know, I mean, you've helped people. I've helped people. Uh, some people just don't want the help. Uh, they want, they want to pacify it. They want to, he- you know, they want to hear what you're saying to them. And then they go home and they beat themselves up or they just, just, you just uh, stop listening or whatever, whatever their deal. Yeah. You know, and that's fine. That's fine. You know, um, you know, what was me? Um, look, I've been doing this 34 years, 35 years. I know if the freight situation got that bad, I can lease onto a carrier. I know a couple of carriers, even if they're not hiring, they'd want my talent. Correct. Um, yeah. So I, I am not 
I am not going to, I don't concern myself with things I can't change um, too much. I mean, you know, you always have to keep on the peripheral, but it doesn't consume my day. Right. What consumes my day is what I can control. My numbers, my, my, my diet, what my little world here, my little bubble in my house and and the things that even those aren't really controllable because once the kids walk out the door, they're on their own, but you can always try to guide them in, in ways you want. Um, on the camera issue, um, I actually did do this for a little while. I leased onto a carrier with my truck and the LD for them, and then they decided they want to put the cameras in there and facing me. So had a long conversation with the owner of the company, who I'm still friends with. And he said, this is not for spying. Now, there are different settings where if, if you have a, uh, an event that the ELD sets off, the camera plays. Uh, it records that last few minutes of, of playing, but they don't peek in on you. Um, this is all for safety reasons, at least as the guys they're putting it under. I really don't think anyone wants to watch me going down the road. But the facial recognition is for the texting issues that the trucking industry and everyone has. Um, when you when you make sudden movements in the cab for texting or, the, you know, uh, you know you're, you're texting and you have to correct real quick, that's how they're going to find you and see why you're what happened. So it is fine. Um, that's <laughs> well, it's not. It's, well, you know, it, yeah, you spying know, to the sense where, where you know, uh, if if you're doing stuff outside the policy, which no one should be texting and driving or holding a cell phone to their ear. So, but there are guys. You go down the road and you see them. Right. No, I, I I get why they're doing it, and it will never be me. Here's my point. You right. hired I, me to do a job. Tell me what the rules are, and I'll follow the rules most of the time. Um, well, but, listen, but, but the if, whole thing is, if you don't trust the whole me to thing be able is, to do this job like without said, a camera on me, then I don't want this job. It's not just that. It's the insurance companies. You see all these nuclear verdicts. Uh, oh, no, I, the I, insurance I, companies that are driving this. I get it. You know, and, it, 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 and, and you know, this carry only had about 55 trucks, but that's what they decided to do. Which and, is, um, that's the key right there. They decided. Now I'll decide. That everybody gets to right. make their own decision here. I'm fine with that. But the minute you decide you're putting a camera on me all day is the minute I quit. And that's my decision. You can decide all you right. want. It's your and company. I, I, it, I, weighed, I weighed those options. I said to myself, I said, you know what? I said, the first time someone calls me for something that is completely, utterly ridiculous, I'm done. Yeah. No, yeah. no three strikes and they're out. I just said, you know what? The rates were good. I said, let's try it out. I said, I don't know how I'm going to look at, uh, you know, I said, listen, I said, I, I, you know, I'm crude. I said, I said, listen, I said, I do a lot of crazy things to keep myself awake at night. So don't be spying on me. You might see something that you don't want to see. You, but you that know, was just, you know, Jeff. Here's, here's kind of how I feel about this. If a company resorts to this to try to manage their drivers, Rather than actually work on hiring better drivers, that's a company I just don't want to work for. 
I just see that as a company taking well, the easy way out. We'll hire anybody who shows up and then we'll put a camera on them to make sure they're doing their job right. That that could be potentially some companies, but other companies are trying to manage their their costs with insurance costs. So these insurance companies are giving them free deals. You know, I mean, thousands off per unit, thousands off per unit, whatever, and you have 50, 60 units, you know, you, you can go... You can get make some, you know, instead of paying seven, eight grand a unit when you have fifty trucks, you pay, you know, sixty five hundred, five hundred. Oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. But wait a minute. Let me figure out a better deal. I'll save you the sixty five hundred per unit. Just don't put the damn cameras in. I, I, I don't get it. It, it. What you're doing yeah. is you're using technology because you don't want to go hire good drivers. You're either too lazy or you haven't figured out how. I get it. Hiring drivers is challenging. I did it for a lot of years, but I did it just fine. There was no way I would have ever put a camera in a truck. My drivers would have quit because I hired drivers that won't put up with that kind of crap. They know they're good enough at their job. Right. They don't need a camera on them all day. Right. And that, and that's kind of why I'm by myself, too. I don't want to have or I yeah. want to decide what I want to do and what exactly. how I want to do it. Um, I know what you're going to be tonight. You're going to be watching Elon Musk talk to Tucker Carlson. I am looking forward to that. Absolutely. I am too. Yeah. I am too. <laughs> they yeah. teased a couple of good parts on it. So it's, well, she, it sounds really good because Tucker kind of throws him on the carpet. Did you fund this? He's well, that's the unintended consequences type of thing. Like he's not making excuses. He's just saying, well, wait a second, you know, yes. <laughs> well, here's the interesting thing. I, these are two people who ideologically probably aren't even close. Um, oh, I know. Musk is a liberal, always has been. He's voted Democrat his whole life until now. He says he won't vote Democrat again. Uh, but he's a liberal. He's a progressive liberal. Yep. He's investing in artificial intelligence. He's, you know, but he's he's got some common sense, too. He's more of a classic liberal. But I, I this isn't yeah. this isn't going to be a love fest between these two. I have a feeling these two disagree on a lot of things. Well, that's why that's what makes it so great is because, you know, I mean, there is there is ideology. Uh, ideology is definitely separates both of them, you know. But I think Carlson is enough middle of the road to to uh, not to like you know. I think it, it's a I think it's a good matchup. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I do too. I think it'll be a really really interesting interview. So I am looking forward to it. Did you? Uh, did you get a chance to look at that uh, economic special, that interview? I did not. Okay. Okay. I wanted you to, because he puts in place, you know, the guy says something about, you know, how we always talk about Reagan and free market economy and stuff like that. He has a whole different take on this, how, what we should be looking to, to do. In the yeah. Economy, okay. To make solvent. Yeah, it's uh, so, it, it it's interesting, no doubt. So um, it just it, it'll get you off the day to day horror. Yeah, you know, and that's why I kind of go into those interviews. Another thing is, you know, there's this big thing about having American troops on the ground in Ukraine. From what I can tell, it's only some special force unit that's it, over there, and I don't 
it's not like we have hundreds of troops over there. At least that, that's not what I've seen so far. Correct. And I, I, I kind of somewhat think it's not that big of a deal, except I have one huge problem with it. They lied. Just don't well, lie. Well, a hundred percent. Just don't 100%. lie. Right. A hundred percent. If they're on the, the ground. I know there are lots of things our government does that we don't know about. And I'm sure there are some things we shouldn't know about. I know a lot of people don't like that, but I, I think there are things not everybody needs to know. But an issue like this, that it was questioned over and over and over and over. We do not want to be there. We were told there will be no troops, no troops, no troops over and over and over. Then it comes out. Well, there's a few. You should have just told us there was a few then. Don't lie. Right. That's the worst them, thing you can do. And tell them why they're there. Exactly. They, if right. We have special forces there to keep them trained on the equipment and just, to, you know, just That's for, it. just right. for, um, just don't lie. Yeah, and and it, it would have appeased everybody, at least most people. Because, it, it, well, right. and when here's the thing. Out, when you once, find out like this. Once you lie, now how do I know that there's only a few? Why would I trust you that there's only right. a few? Because you've been lying about that for years now. And now we find out that, oh, no, there are a few. <sighs> well, then how do I know you're telling me the truth this time? I can't. Well, you know, it was so telling and um, a couple of only one or two people brought this up. Um, all the coverage, all the, the questioning at the Pentagon to uh, Jack Kirby and everything was about the leaker, not about what they found. And <laughs> I know. Right. Yeah. Isn't we don't that want, crazy? Right. We don't want to talk about what's really happening. Let's talk about. No, but this is the news media. This is the I news know. media that's doing this. I know. That's what's so, that's what's so disconcerting about this. Wait, where, it's the news media that's not asking questions. Where are all the journalists who should be looking for Pulitzer Prizes with stories like this? Instead, they're just going along with what the government uh, wants them to say. It's, that's. That's it. That's the sad. That's the real sad part of this story. The real, the real stuff that, um, the real people that are really against us. I guess you'd say. You know, yeah. if you want to be that conspiratorial guy, when you have the people that are supposed to hold, you know, it's what they say: the fox guard in the hen house. If exactly. you have the people guard, you know, who's supposed who's supposed to look out for us because we we're just here trying to survive. And you're not doing your job. Well, what are, what are we to do? Yeah. And this is, like you said, this is this is what happens. All right, Fred. Hey, the calls are piling up on yeah. me. I'm going to move along today. Um, good calls, by the way. Let's go to Indiana, Austin. Welcome to the program. How's it going today? Good. What can I help you with? I was wondering uh, if I should pay my truck off or not. Well, let's talk about it. Been, uh, um, what year is it? 2016. How many miles are on it? 800,000. How much do you owe on it? 31,000. Uh, 4.25%. Oh, boy, you did nice on that. That's for sure. Um 
How are you? This is a, this isn't a slam dunk. This one requires a little digging and thinking through how, how are you? I'm assuming you have the 31,000 to pay it off. I mean, if you're asking the question, you must have at least yeah. that much cash. Plus, yeah. Plus of another 20. That's just in my, my trucking. That's what I keep in my trucking. Okay. Company. So this will come down. All my down. taxes are paid too. Got it. So if this were a, eight percent rate it would be easy absolutely you go pay it off four percent boy that's pretty cheap money um if we pay it off our it's uh, we still lower our expenses which is a good thing we we always want to do that my question in an economy like this is do you feel confident that if you spend this money now and an emergency comes up you're still going to be okay um, you lose a, I don't even know if you have one, you lose a one box or we, we've got to do an in-frame. Uh, are you confident that if that cash is gone, you're still okay? I would think, I, I feel like the work's going to slow down, but I'm diversified. I got so much, I, I'm just a one truck operator. and I, I'm diversified out. Um, but I, I mean, the rates and the work might slow down, but I don't feel like it's going to be crippling to me. So, for me, this would be a fairly easy one. Um, you've got enough cash to pay it off. You've got more cash on top of that. You, you've you diversified. You've thought this through. For me, I'm always confident that I, I can make it without that cash. And by spending the cash, I end up with more money in my pocket. That That's the point of this. If you continue to make all the payments right. on the truck, at the end of that, you end up with X. But if we pay it off now, we end up with X plus more. So there's clearly a financial benefit to paying this off because it lowers our expenses. And you seem to be in, in good enough shape that spending that 30000 is not a big deal. I would pay it off. And save yourself the interest. Yep. Um, this will be my last year on depreciating. Is there any advice? After that, just pay the taxes, right? That's about all you can do. Yeah, really. I mean, it doesn't make sense to go buy more equipment because, again, you end up with less money in your pocket at the end of all that. Yes, you got to write off the depreciation, but you had to pay for a new truck or another truck. And we always we always lose money. We always sell or trade in at wholesale and we buy at retail. So keeping equipment. Always makes sense. Well, I shouldn't say always, but most of the time. So as long as it's getting reasonably good fuel economy, the maintenance costs aren't killing you. This is the last economy that you want a big truck payment in. This is when you want to be driving that old paid off truck, no doubt. I hit this truck. uh, I bought it in 2021. It was a glider. I gave 120 for it. I hit it right before everything went nuts. I've, I've been very blessed. Good. Good. Yeah, I, I'm really lucky. I, you're you're in a good position. I would just pay it off. Just lower those costs. Okay. All righty. All right. Thanks, thanks for the call. See, those are the kind of people I want to help. The people who have options and just want a little bit of advice on which option is the best. I think he already knew. It's just nice to get that somebody else thinking about it from a different perspective. I want to be able to help those kind of people through this. And there's going to be a lot of people that need help. I just don't know how to help the people at the very bottom. And I'm seeing a lot of that right now. Let's go to New Mexico. Harold, welcome to the program. 
Hey, Kevin, just a couple of comments on uh, the second generation businesses. We've been out here working for 48 years, and I'm the guy that lives by Visalia there. But when we had our frozen LTL business, we used to deliver to a fish distributor up in San Jose. And his dad uh, managed that company, had a great business going, and then the son took it over. And over a five-year period, we just saw it diminish down to almost nothing. Then I got into car carrying, and there was a company called DAS out of Texas that had been around since 1954. The dad turned it over to the kids and slowly but surely, they were buying the Lamborghinis and the big houses with the pools, and the business went bankrupt. Just to prove your point on that, we've seen it directly with two different ones. It's <laughs> such a common thing. I'm thinking of two examples in trucking, and I just drew a blank. There was a carrier out of Oklahoma that went out of business. I know, I know, I know who you're talking about. Um, who was that? Um, they almost took down. Work. <laughs> they the almost, son worked for me for a little bit, and I can't remember his name. <laughs> um, it, it maybe it'll come to me here. They almost took down Flying J because there were they were scamming Flying J's bank, the finance company. They were turning in freight bills for factoring, and the the freight didn't even exist. They, it was a total scam. Um, they almost took down the Flying J Bank. It was so bad. I had been, I had, wow. I did a seminar at the company about six months before this happened. And the owner then was a great guy, built an awesome company. I mean, really, really sharp guy. He died in a plane crash, little private plane crash. The son and the, the mother, um, started the scam of ripping off these banks with this whole factoring thing. And it went on for years and then they closed their doors right around Christmas. That's why that one was such a big deal and left a bunch of drivers stranded. That was one. Then there was the other one I talked about where I went in and gave the seminar. The owner sat through the whole seminar on a Saturday morning. The son who was getting ready to take over the business was stuck in his office playing video games and didn't want anything to do with any of it. And, <laughs> I, re- uh, I, re- I remember you saying that. Yeah. As far as the dri- the driver turnover, I've got to comment on that, too. We were lucky enough to have in the frozen LTL business, we ended up with nine trucks and we had the same drivers for 29 years. We sold that business wow. and started hauling cars and they and they all came back and I think I'm the I'm the only person I've ever heard of that had people for that long and I feel like the luckiest guy in the world. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Now that tells me a lot. But right now it's just me. I'm out here and I was forced to buy a truck because of California. I'm based out of there. Yeah. And I had to go out and buy a $350,000 car carrier. I bought it in 2000. So I still owe two more years of payments on this. And uh, they're big ones, 6600 bucks a month. Wow. But um, yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm getting close. It's almost done. But. Good. Yeah. And then, and then another comment on, I mean, I'm a, I'm a talk show junkie or, or news junkie and books and everything else. But the, the thing that keeps me sane is listening to you Friday. I listened to your show Friday night when I left and I tell you, you three guys 
along with your callers, I was laughing the whole time for four hours. You kept me awake mm-hmm. listening to that yeah. Friday show. You guys just are so funny. It, it just cracked me up. Well, you know, Friday is kind of becoming my release valve. I, I kind of need it. By the end of the week, I'm just buried in this stuff. And, and the, here's the interesting thing. I've said this a lot. I You have never really heard me try to tell a joke on the air. I never do it at the beginning. No, because you can Well, the thing is, I'm not very funny. I'm just not, so I don't try to be. But if I can play off of the right people or the right group, we can have a little bit of fun and, and laugh now and then. And, and it's kind of what Fridays are becoming, and I like it. Uh, you know, and the, and the regular guys, you know, Paul and, and uh, Fred. And then they, I mean, I just feel like I know all you guys. I mean, I've been in, I've, I've gotten to know Paul. But, yeah. but you keep me sane, Kevin, and I just I thank you for that. And I, I listen to X Dave on X22 at night every night to keep my faith up for this country but there you go. Uh, between you and x22 and the books uh, that's the only thing that keeps me sane because if i listen to the news all day well uh, that's uh, exception is tucker i love tuck i love tucker carlson but the news is so depressing and it's the same thing over and over again it just makes you want to uh, makes you want to not even think about anything anymore. I, I agree. That's why uh, I'm trying to find strategies to stay engaged. You know, I, I could, hell, I could take a six-month sabbatical right now, seriously. And there are days where I wake up and I'm tempted. I could take six months off, work around the house, work in the garden, take the summer off, um, but I'm not going to. I mean, that would be a horribly irresponsible thing for me to do right now. But I'd, I'd like to and I could, but I'm not going to. I, I want to stay engaged. I want to help other people through this. But I have to figure out how to do it and keep my own sanity. Let's, uh, let's go to Kansas. Bob, welcome to the program. I was uh, just going to comment about, you know, when there's like these realignments in our economy, I'm kind of excited about all the opportunity and that guy that was talking about the book, the world is just the, the, the end of the world is just the beginning. I listened to that and I was excited at the end of that because I, every time there are these realignments in the economy, there's tons of opportunity. All you gotta do is look around and, and just be there for it. You know? Hey Bob, I, I've kind of been yeah. thinking along those lines my entire life. Uh, I've watched things financially. I've been in business my whole life. I've missed many of the cycles. So I I could go back and, you know, I bought my first truck in 1986. Um, You know, there were some big opportunities in the early 90s when we went through some, some tough times. The problem was every one of those cycles, I was in the wrong place. I was making all those mistakes. The the bad time came and I was not in a good financial position. I was struggling to just make it through. And then in the late 90s, early 2000s, we had another big downturn. Um, same thing again. I, I had made some some business decisions that weren't necessarily bad, just bad timing. I wasn't watching as close or I didn't understand enough. Then 07 um, would have been a good time for me, except I went through a divorce. Just 
bad timing. So I didn't really, I wasn't able to take advantage of, of a lot of those opportunities. Now, I, I did manage to, after the real estate market crashed, I, I did pretty well. That was the first time I bought this house here. I started buying property around me while prices were still way down. That was the first time I was really able to kind of take advantage of a, a downturn. Well, now I'm looking at this one. It's probably going to be the biggest of my lifetime. And I am really, really well set to handle this one. And I am excited. There are going to be opportunities. I'm going to be buying real estate at really good prices again. I'm I'm just about sure of it. Um, There may come a day when I'm investing in those 10% CDs. That could happen again. So I'm optimistic for myself. Finally. You know, I finally hit the timing on this one really right. I'm sitting right where I want to be. I'm really worried about everybody else. And and I'm worried about our economy. How bad could this get? And how many people are going to suffer this time? I just, and you know, exactly. I mean, is those people that are, uh, you know, like like that guy you were talking about, you know, that needs help to get back to, those are the same people, you know, I'm into the, your diet thing big and I, those are the same people that won't take the, or that cannot penetrate their brain. You know, they won't take the advice. Just don't eat carbs. It's right. simple. I know. You know eat meat. Know. It's so simple. And if you're in this country, I say it's so much bullshit. I do not feel sorry for them. I wouldn't give them a dime. I know this is hard, but God damn it. In this country, you can walk around the corner and find an opportunity. It may not be the one you want, but it's the one you need. I agree. You know, I, I, just, I, 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 I just feel like those guys should pull up their pants and say, hey, I may have to go work at the J-Mart or whatever, McDonald's for a little while, and then start over and build yourself up because there's millions of stories of millionaires that just start off with absolutely nothing in their fifties and they, they become something great. This, and, and to think for a second, Oh, there's no opportunity. I, I give up on my life. I give up. And it's, it's the same thing in the diet world. Oh, I got this disease. It's called diabetes. There's nothing I can do. The doctor says, just keep doing what I'm doing. Bullshit. Take, take a hold of it and, and fix yourself, fix yourself right where you're standing. And I hate it when people get down and I hate it when people start telling, oh, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm just stuck right here. I know. Bullshit. I, well, Get your you know what? together, it, pull it, up your big pants. Th- this is what our school system has done to people. Our government indoctrination centers have made people weak. And, and it's a shame. And that that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing the result of that. Yeah, you know the I, whole you know, the I, whole I idea. Everybody it. gets a trophy. Everybody gets passed on to the next grade. Can't criticize anybody anymore. That 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 philosophy that's been going on for decades and keeps getting worse is why we have so many weak, helpless people now. That's right. Don't be weak. Don't be sick. You know, take advantage. We live in the greatest country that the world has ever known. I mean, that's one thing about the end of the world is just beginning. I mean, there are so many great things about this country that is just so unbelievable. And there, there are so many things. Sometimes we have to start completely over. Yeah. 
and it sucks, but hey, you can do it. You can, you can do it. I here. agree. There's I agree. Just nothing but opportunity I, after opportunity. I agree. Open and, up and, and, just like you, I want to reach those people that still have a chance and I want to help them through this and see what's possible. Let's go to Colorado. Tom, welcome to the program. Yeah, good morning, Kevin. Yeah, the uh, the Walmart distribution center in Cheyenne, outside of Cheyenne, Wyoming, is hiring for $30.65 an hour. I know, uh, you know what I mean? So if you can't get a truck driving job, um, um I know the rent's not that expensive in uh, in uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming. Uh, so there, it's not the opportunities aren't. So, the opportunities are still there. Yeah, no doubt. I, I still think the opportunities are there in trucking. I mean, I am one hundred percent positive. If I set my mind, I don't even. I don't even think I would have to try that hard. Honestly, I could have a driving job by Friday. I don't see it as a problem at all. I don't think there's any doubt that I wouldn't have a driving job by Friday. So if people are at the point where they can't get hired, not only have they mismanaged their money, they've mismanaged their job. If you can't get hired in trucking, and I, I realize it's not like it was six months ago or a year ago, but there's still driving jobs out there, probably lots of them. I thought I thought the economic report said that trucking added 6,000 jobs last month. I mean, we're, we're not seeing the worst of this yet. So that's why I'm just a little shocked at, at how fast this is happening. And my point is if, if you've been in trucking and if you're in that bad of shape right now, I'm not sure that I could help you. No, and and, and and you know, uh this is my what I was thinking when you're talking about the indoor facing, you know, the uh inside facing cameras and um, you know, people getting fired over one speeding ticket. Um I not the big guys, well probably the big guys, probably the old dominions will, will do it because when we were talking about um everybody getting raises, everybody getting raises, you never take them away. Well, you can take them away if you fire that guy. That's a good point. The next guy at ten cents, fifteen cents a low. That's a good point. So that's what I. Oh, that's right. That's That's, what I'm thinking. They're trying. Some of the guys are trying to do that. You know what I mean? You can go get another job, but the job that you're going to be offered isn't going to be what you were just getting. So, Uh, so if 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 you if you are getting good uh, mileage, money as a company driver. Yeah, let's address that for a second. You know me, I, I like plan B, C, D, F. I, I've got it, you know, I've, I've at least thought this through. And in the back of my mind, worst case scenario, plan, you know, W or whatever it happens to be, is I go back and drive a truck and live in the truck. Yeah, yeah. But if you screwed your license up so bad. That's the you, problem. It, right. it, and that's right. the reason, you know, and, and but you know, I can see we're getting that guy home if he lives in Tennessee or something or, you know, uh, to live in Florida, um, Illinois, New York, California, uh, you know, the, really the blue states. Um, uh, I, I, I can see where, where, where maybe he won't have the opportunities to do that. Um, uh, but there's no, there, there, there's, you don't want to be running around Illinois right now. I don't think trying to find a exactly. truck driving job. Every every small every small company I hear going out of business is is you know. And another thing too is if you're comp if you hire onto a company and they want to, I mean the traditional norm is 
getting paid once a week. And if they want to hire, if they want to uh, pay you, uh, um, you know, uh, bi-monthly or something like that, that's that's a sign number one. And then if that if you're if you're you know if you, if you let if you're a company driver and you let your uh, your fuel gauge let uh, get less than half of the day, you're sort of a fool. I'm I've never given you my company's name, but it's a it's a smaller company, and I know for a fact they don't listen to you because they do everything. <laughs> and everything they've been they've been around for a while, but at you know at the same token, you know leasing or leasing the the uh, trucks from uh, Penske, so so I'm not too worried about them hearing me. Um, you know, uh, all all the three owners are driving new uh, uh, BMWs oh, every yeah. two years or every yeah. every year because so I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried about you know that, that are dumpster lease to. And uh, so I'm a little bit worried about that. The guys have been great. Don't get me wrong there. They've been, been really good. But, right. um, you, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what they can and can't uh, uh, endure when it comes to this economy. And, and you talking about um, the second generation um, uh, ruining businesses, uh, that, yeah, you, that's absolutely right. But, Having the you know times got too good uh, for the United States, I I totally disagreed with that. What I what uh, I I don't know how how times can get too good in a country, um, but what what you what you have what you have is like you said the indoctrination. These people these people are are insane. What they're what what they're doing. Um, well, let me this, let this me give is, you an uh, example I, of what I mean when things get, get too good. So. When I was graduating, my parents certainly weren't wealthy. Um, we were going through a pretty tough economic time. My father lost a union driving job, lost several of them, and then get another one. And then those eventually ran out. And um, it, there wasn't really an option for me except to go figure out how to survive and support myself. I had to go to work. Well, we have yeah. lots of families that the kids are 28 still playing Nintendo in the basement and their parents pay for everything because they can. They can afford to. Times are so good. You can support three of your kids at home if you want to. And a lot of parents decided to. And, and that's what happens when when things are so good, either in a country or in a family. The the younger generations tend to get entitled and lazy. And that's I, I've got I've got I, one at I, home. Hard to get. You know what I mean? Um, my kids did not get name brand anything. They they didn't get that kind of stuff. They had to work for things. They had to understand what the value of things were. And and I think I did a pretty good job of raising you know people that are active in society today and doing okay. And I, I could have spoiled them that's a lot more. I had the money. I could have done it. And I didn't, and I'm glad I did. No, I met, I met Michael. Yeah, I met Michael and and, and uh, uh, at the CMC, and, and uh, boy, he just, he just uh, he, he just grabbed the bit and, and uh, run off. You know what I mean? That uh, that's that's right. You did a fantastic job, but but uh, I don't know. I don't know uh, uh, where it, where it all um, uh, fell apart when it came to the the. If it, for you instance, hear, so I talked me, to probably. Let me, let me go back a second. Because, you know, talking about Michael, two things here that in one, it's a little bit of a struggle, but I'm glad it worked out the way that it did. So Michael came to work for us. 
Uh, and that was always that that was not a slam dunk. Just because you're my child does not mean you're working for me. In fact, it, it's going to be harder right. for you. I, I, it's easier for me to go hire yeah. somebody else than it is to hire you. Um, he he didn't get to come in at a high level. He didn't get to come in as an owner. He didn't get to come in with a lot of money. He started the way every other employee started at the bottom, getting paid less than what you're probably worth until you can prove yourself. Here's the interesting yeah. thing. Um, he left and went out on his own and I couldn't be more proud. I'd love yeah. to be working yeah, with good. him. I'd, I'd love to have him part of this company, but in a way, I'm glad he's not. He looked at it and said, hey, wait a minute. Uh, I get it. You know, they're not going to give me anything I haven't earned, but I could go do better on my own. And he did. And I'm right. glad. Well, that that's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it doesn't mean that you can't, you know, you do ventures uh, t- together with the the, uh, the phone calls and, and all the, you know, the, I forget what you called them, the, um, the one-on-one, well, right. you know, yeah. and, and, uh, yeah. And, 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 uh, you know, you can't call, you know, it doesn't mean you can't collaborate on things. You, you talk about them often. Maybe you have a great relationship. It sounds like you have a grandson, a, a new grandson, don't you? Or one on the way too? Yeah. We have twin grandsons who just started wrestling, by the way, this, this past month, they went to their first tournament. They've got another tournament coming up. So they're nine now. Uh, the twins are in their wrestling, which oh. is fun and exciting, and they have another one on the way. Yeah, another on the way. Yeah, yeah. great. Yeah, get them to, into that jujitsu. Um, uh, uh, so, so, um, the one point I, uh, that I wanted to make here was that um, I, people, I, I had more faith in people, and so um, I've talked to probably in the last two months, maybe five or six people, and we it that and it got into the political realm, and they, and and a lot of these people, um, a couple of them I talked to when I did my thirty four at the um, uh, Navajo Indian Reservation, and we see eye eye on every single um, uh, uh, every single idea or every every single thing that's wrong with the country, and they're just. It's it's just ignorance because they 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 and they do they just run out and vote Democrat because that's the way that their mom did it that's the way that their grandparents did it and I said well what do you expect is going to change if you just keep you know you don't look at the issues and just keep voting the same way you know and uh they just, and they just shake their head and sort of give you the shoulders you know but uh, so I don't know what the, I don't and and the rest of the people that I've talked to they they just don't vote they 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 complain and and everything else I just don't understand what's going to what's going to happen if if the bolsheviks get their way I really I just don't I, I see a civil war sort of coming or something because it's not it's not sustainable what the way that they're they're going about this this uh, you can't just give everything away you know no that's that's exactly right and, and that's the point where we got to where you know there was enough wealth that we're giving things away and we're paying for people and 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 it's not good it's not good for anybody and I don't know where it's going to go either I, that that's. I guess that's the most stressful part of all of this. It, it it is the most stressful part, and then you talk about the boots on the ground in Ukraine. So, a lot of those guys are there just as as advisory, according to to, to uh, that, uh, that's whatever. How we started in Vietnam too. 
Yeah, yeah, I know. But advisors, so, so right. uh, it, this this didn't the advisor this didn't get any press. But um, so uh, Zelensky fired his top ten generals, okay, because they started driving around in in Mercedes Benzes and whatnot, and and we're just sending them piles of cash. Well, these advisors were supposed to be looking over where that you know that money was going, and so uh, God only knows how much they're skimming off there, but. Um, uh, what what are we doing? The, 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 there's no reason we shouldn't be there. All we're no, doing we is shouldn't. putting China and and uh, Russia close together. We shouldn't be there at all. But that is a cash cow for all of these elites in our country, and uh, people just don't see it. And talk about the talk about the media and all that. Uh, it, 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 until we get, you know, what needs to happen? I know I'm taking too long. But you know what needs to happen is that, like, Disney and uh, CBS, but our nightly news needs to be um, separated from uh, the big um, uh, conglomerates like Disney and, and uh, Comcast, because nobody can go and buy Comcast. It's worth too much money. But they need to, they need to uh, totally separate the nightly, nightly news broadcasts that are on ABC, NBC, CBS. You can still have your CNN or whatever. And, and that way, at least the conservatives or the people that, that value this country can, can go in there and make a, make a, um, uh, uh, buy, buy that company. It might, you know, they might have to be too much fire those people and just give you the facts. But to have uh, these uh, um, companies that are just conglomerates, that you can't touch them, they can do whatever they want to do, uh, sit there and lie to you. And, and if, if that's the only news you're getting, well, my God, too, I'd hate Trump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it, that's, you know, the same thing. Where are we going with this? How... How do we turn this around? And unfortunately, if you look historically, nobody ever has. If you look at other civilizations and societies who have been even close to where we are now, they all kind of collapsed. Um, doesn't mean we have to. There's a way out of this. I, I, I don't know what it is. And part of the problem is we don't know what the real agenda is. I think that's what's frustrating a lot of us, too. Let's go to... Texas, Dave. Welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Oh, or should I say, good morning, Kevin? Sure. Howdy. Howdy. Hey, I got a question about uh, um, where I put this tax money I just sent in in my in my profit gauges. And I think I ask you this question every single year. I got to send them a check, but I never remember because I only do it once a year. I. Uh, you know, I sent in about twenty-five grand and a couple of checks, and I wonder: do I put that under the taxes in my profit gauges? I don't know. That that's not a deductible tax. Income tax is not deductible, so we don't need to record it anywhere. Okay. Now, if if okay, well, I I just thought it might be a good good idea to keep an eye on where the money's gone. Well, no, we know where it went. It, it happens once a year. We know where it went. It's it's. You won't forget right. it. You're not going to call me a month from now. Yeah. And go, you know, it 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 feels like there should be twenty five thousand dollars more in my bank account, but I can't remember where it went. Yeah, got a point. Good so, point. So, no, well, another let me, let me, question. Hold on. Let me explain. This. Okay. If we were using program like QuickBooks 
to manage all of our money, the business, the savings accounts, all, all credit cards, all that stuff. Well, sure. Hey, you could put a, a, a transaction in there that would account for that. When I created my program, I my focus was less than 5% of owner-operators have an accounting system. Why is that? Well, nobody likes it. It's complicated. It's confusing. So what if I make my program as drop-dead simple as I can make it, and we don't account for things like that because who really cares? I mean, honestly, like like I said, you know where the 25000 went. It's not deductible anyway. So what's the point in – so yeah. I – I took away all the BS and said, if we don't absolutely have to track this, then let's not. Let's make it as easy as we possibly can. That's that's why it's different. Uh, understood. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, my operating expenses look a lot better when I took it out of there. <laughs> yeah, because it's not an operating expense, so that that's why it shouldn't be. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now, now, a question is: I pay myself. Uh, a wage, you know, 50 grand a year, uh, one hey, check a month, and I pay. Hey, Dave, I just had a thought. Let me go back to this. So here's the way I would recommend you and, and other single truck owner operators handle their finances. Use profit gauges like you're doing for your truck because it's so easy and it's powerful. Then use sure. use Mint for your personal finance because it's free, it's easy, and it's powerful. And if you wrote that check to the IRS, Mint would categorize it for you automatically and you wouldn't have to do a thing. I got you. But now, of course, I do have an expense, business expense, which is uh, payroll. So I, I pay myself you know, on a payroll, and I send that tax money in. That is, is that tax yeah. money deductible? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So that should be okay. tracked in profit gauges because it, and it, is. it is deductible. Yeah, all of those are business taxes. When you pay your income tax, that's actually a personal expense, not a business expense. I got you. Sounds good. Uh-uh. I'll probably call you again next year and ask you the same thing, but what the hell, I get to to talk to you once a year. I I was just going to say, I look forward to it. All right. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Take care. All right. uh, I'm getting ready to grab the last call on the board. Uh, We'll wrap up today when we run out of calls. So if you want to jump in, you better do it soon. 855-950-3835. Oh, I almost dropped him instead of picking him up. Um, let's go to New Jersey. Danny, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. Uh, I want to tell you right up. I'm, I'm nervous. I have called before with a health question, not not all that long ago. But hey, Danny, I've got what, I've got good news. You don't need to be nervous. Okay. Nobody's ever died on my show talking to me. No, I, I believe you. I've been listening long enough to know that. Okay. And there, there is so much through the years that um, you have shared about your personal life that I can identify with in a, in a lot of ways. I probably well, got about eight years on you. Okay. Well, let me, let me say this. I've shared this before, but I'll share it again because I know it surprises a lot of people. Um, 
I was a talk show junkie once I became a truck driver. The first day I was in a truck, I you know tuned into a talk show, got hooked, started listening to every talk show I could find. Um, listened to Bruce Williams for years. I kind of designed this show after Bruce Williams. Um, and I, I've said I listened to him for years. Never once talked to him. There were two or three times I actually picked up the phone and dialed. And when the call screener answered, I hung up because I was afraid to go on the air. I hear you. Now, that's where I, I want to self-identify, okay? And, and by doing that, my agenda, I have an absolute agenda, and I'm going to be upfront about it, is to provoke critical thinking within the, the individual. Okay. And the reason I believe that you were so, uh, I'm going to say attached, and there's going to be a lot of words. I don't have a, a very strong vocabulary because I grew up watching, and uh, maybe Fred could identify with this and maybe parents, but Eastside Comedy, the Bowery Boys, I, I was <laughs> raised in, right. in, in the tri-state area. So if you can remember back to flip yep. and routine six, uh, yep. that, that, that's pretty much my palate. Got it. But my agenda is to get all of us because there has been a process is from what I realized. And I'm not going to be correct in a lot of things, but I do not participate in any social media. I'm opposite from you when computers came into the scene I have a cousin that he started going out we were two weeks apart in age and he started going that way and something within me said uh-uh I, I don't like that and I'm gonna kind of dovetail why because it big brother was a very strong um uh how, how can I say I was aware of being controlled in very small ways. So now I, I just want to go back and see if I could. My father took me with him. He drove for a company, but in well, you probably they might have been in Ohio too. But Acme Market, yeah, it's yep. a supermarket thing. They were union in Philadelphia. They had a non-union uh, barn up in South Kearney, and it was I, I don't know how many owner operators, but. I can remember being five years old. I was a crybaby kid. <laughs> and him saying on a Saturday morning, hey, Dan, come on, I'm going to take you to work with me. And he said, I said, no, 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 no. He said to my mother, get him dressed. And he took me. And I didn't enjoy that day. But <laughs> at the end of the day, he said, hey, Butch, let's go. He said, and he, you know, I was five years old. Right. He was standing on the ground. He had his arms up to carry me out. He said, but before you do, pull that string. And that was the air horn. Oh, yeah. And from that, yeah. that point on, my entire life changed. Because going to school, I was put in Catholic school. I did not want to be there from the first day. I cried all the way to the first, <laughs> to the first grade, kindergarten to the first grade. Yeah. They kept me back in the first grade. My sister was a year behind me, came up to the classroom across the hall from me. Her teacher, my teacher were sisters. The curriculum, I don't know if it was designed to be the same, but it was the same. She would do the homework. 
I copied the homework and I made it all the way to the fifth grade with many, uh, I, I, I don't want spankings. I'll say it that way because of the fact that my father knew that he didn't want me to be a truck driver. He wanted me to be a lawyer, a doctor and all that. That wasn't in my DNA because where we are right now, now I want to fast forward a little. Now that, that may not, I never carried a book in my life is what I'm saying. You're right. Up to probably by 2006, I would say definitely because alcohol came into the situation. Drugs came into the situation at the age of 15. I was able to get, I started driving the tri-state area, you know, the, the barrows and everything in a 16 foot straight job. Eventually got with a company that had trailers pulling containers. In those days, there was a, you know, your regular license, you could sign the waiver to get the chauffeur's license. Got the chauffeur's license, didn't have to take the test, then right. CDL and all that kind of stuff. But what I'm getting at, I wound up buying my first truck to run the road, which I was discouraged immensely. And this is back in the early 70s. 75 in, in that area there. But I leased on to a company by the name of Forwarders Transport, and you may know of them because all we pulled was railroad freight that was, uh, you know, they were the trailers that didn't make the train. And my father and I wound up going partners that, that time. Oh, but I just want to backtrack a little bit. This is because if we're not aware on how all of this took place to where we are right now, you have to be able to sit and just think about our own personal experiences and what we, I'm going to be vague in some things, but this is what I believe today, that every part of our, and I just want to give a reference point too. If, if anybody in, you know, I'm, if you go back to, I don't know if you know about Frederick Hegel. He, mm -hmm. he was a professor in the University of Berlin. No, I want to say in the 60s. Well, Hegel Dialectics. You could bring him up on YouTube. And I mean, this is where I believe it started for where we are in this country. And then if you want to go and research an individual by, uh, you go to Noah Webster, see what Noah Webster was all about. Then go to Robert Owen. Then from Robert Owen, you could go to uh, Harry S. Ward, John Dewey. John Dewey is the father of our educational system right now. These things were put together by design. And, and I'm, I'm going to tell I am media educated. And that's what I'm getting at. You grew up listening to Bruce Williams. I grew up listening to Bob Grant. Right. Bob Grant was an, he was an individual over here. I mean, there was a twinge of stick in him, but he was a professor out of Berkeley. From what I understand, I could be, that could be incorrect. But is all I knew is that when he bought an author of a book, to interview the author about the book, you didn't have to buy the book because he read the book <laughs> yeah. before he did the interview. So I learned and I learned and I learned, but, you know, 
Then I burnt my life to the ground through the means of alcohol and, you know, drugs and all that. Or, you know, I never really burnt it down to, to, the, uh, to the extent that I did in 2006. And I began going to AA. And this is what I learned in AA. And I'm going to say this as a blanket statement too. Any time that we allow any, uh, anything to take away our personal voice, that's when we lose who we really are. In order to know who we really are, we were created to be free as an individual. Yes. But when you went to like, if, if, like unions, okay? I was always anti for specific reasons. You didn't have a voice. Um, but it took me a while to realize that because I always wanted to own my own truck and I always wanted to be free. And that's the key word. But when, um, I hope I don't get lost. See, this is the thing that you get lost. I get very, very excited with this. Um, but fast forwarding to AA. I would go there to a meeting that we went to on Saturday night. And, and believe me, you have to be able to say, you know, where your pride and where our ego is in order to make really solid decisions. But, you know, and I just want to dovetail a little bit. The individuals who are stuck out here, you know, like, like in, Kevin, I, I want to say this. I wanted to say this in the beginning. I love you. And I'm going to tell you why I love you is because what I realize is that you loved us first. You're not able to do the hard work that you do and have an ability to bring it to the air day in and day out. And with the, because when I started listening, I'm from the East Coast. I mean, I'm from this tri-state area. Like people talk about Trump and everything. You got to understand what your prejudices are to be able to really think that we have a right to judge that individual who is the epitome of success. And he weaved all the way through and he's unscathed because if they could have gotten him, they would have gotten him by now. Now we're still trying. Yeah, I know. Hey, hey, Danny, I'm looking at the clock. Good. Good stuff. Got to cut you loose. I got to move on. The calls started to pile up on me again. Uh, I thought we were just about done here, but um, looks like people still have stuff to talk about. So we'll keep rolling through the calls. We're off to Virginia. Stephen, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Thank you for taking my call. What's on your mind today? Hey, I called you a few months back. My wife was getting ready to take the... uh, gestational diabetes test and we had discussed on maybe an alternative on what to use to take the test and stuff i uh she done the test she found a product uh made by a mom for the same reason i called in about about all the garbage that orange drink has in it that they want her to do yeah uh, but she found something fresh test uh, organic, non-GMO, really good product that a mom come up with. And uh, anyway, she took the test and it come back. She she passed, according to their numbers. I was going to get your opinion on it at 110 after an hour. 
at 50 grams. Oh, so she did 50 grams of carbohydrates and an hour later her blood sugar was 110? Yes. Oh, that's a great test. She's got good blood sugar control. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, uh, I, on that on that first hour. So when we do kind of a, a sugar challenge kind of thing, um, the way I do it, we get a baseline. You know, you should be fasted for about four or five hours. Get a baseline, eat. You know, a, a set amount. Like in this case, it was fifty grams. I've seen a hundred grams done. Um, if you're low carb and you ingest a hundred grams of carbs all at once, you'll feel it, and it doesn't feel good. It's kind of a miserable feeling. So the 50, I think, is actually a better number. Um, as long as we don't go over 140. I mean, in that first hour, that's all we're really looking for. We don't want that big spike. Um, so for her to be at 110 after that is is really good. What was her, did they do another one at the second and third hour? No, they their numbers are what you just said, 140. And that's the only one they'll do unless she's over 140. Then they'll make her do 100. Okay. And it's, uh, you have to test the first hour, second hour, and the third, third hour. Okay. I, I just go right to, I just recommend doing that test first. Um, this is fine the way they did it, and, and her numbers are good. She doesn't really need to test anything. I think she has good blood sugar control. Awesome. Uh, I appreciate it, yeah. As soon as we got the results on that, we had to fight off. They were wanting to give her a vaccine to get to the baby as early as possible. But oh, boy. We had to, uh, yeah, we uh, seem like we're starting early this time. You know, usually it's about three minutes after the baby comes out, but now it's like, hey, let's, uh, yeah. let's get to it as soon as possible. Well, that's because <laughs> they keep adding so many shots that, you know, they have to start before the baby's born and they're not done by the time they're 18 these days. Right, right. Congratulations on a uh, new grandkid on the way. I heard yeah, that. Yeah, I just found out last week. That's exciting. Yeah, exciting times. Hey, I had a question about a truck I found. I, you know, to some people it might be an old truck, but it's actually my dream truck. And I actually uh, I knew the guy in 2006 when he bought it. And he's he's one of the guys that inspired me to be a truck driver. And uh, And he just recently decided to sell it decided to sell it in 2022. I bought it there in the fall. Uh, it's a 01 International 9400. It's got 279 gears, a 10-speed direct with a 12.7 Detroit. And uh, he actually made a run to Alaska. he done that. Uh, he done a run from South Texas to Alaska that whole time from 06 to 22. And took really phenomenal care of the truck. I mean, I got all the service records. Nice. I mean, when he put a gallon of oil in it, he he noted it. <laughs> Good. Uh, the question I have is, yeah, I mean, just listening to you when when I when I knew the specs, I heard the specs on this truck, and and like I say, I've known the truck since '06 when I was in middle school. You know, uh, so I was super excited about it. Yeah. Uh, he has uh, full lock and rears in it. You know, of course, going to Alaska, you know, that's right. kind of a must. Right. Uh, does that cause any unnecessary drag going down the road at all that you're aware of? I was just curious on that. You know, I can't answer that question. I don't believe I can. Let me. Th- I don't know enough about locking I'm just different. I mean, yeah, I don't. They're handy. They're so rare. 
Um, I've never owned a truck with a locking differential at all. Um, I've never really looked at the construction of a locking differential. So I, I don't know. I, I would think no, that it, that the lock would just disengage and shouldn't, but I don't know that for sure. Here's the, here's the other thing. I wouldn't care that that would not be a big enough deal in this truck to, to make me worry about it either way. I might be curious and I, maybe I'd go do a little digging and try to figure it out, but it wouldn't be a deal breaker either way having those locking differentials created a little more drag. All we could be talking about is a couple percentage points. Can't be much if it's there. And okay. this is an interesting enough truck that that wouldn't bother me at all. Yeah, I think whatever drag it may cause is it sure take a long time to overcome a $1,500 record call to get you out of a... Exactly. Yeah, of, it, it, a hard yeah. part. I, I, I wouldn't worry about that at all. That wouldn't bother me. Okay, I'm I'm just starting to work on some fuel mileage numbers, and he he used your app there, and he was pretty steady at around six point four eight six five. Okay, uh, that that's a and I guess I mean it's he, not great. He but. hasn't done a lot, and if a truck's getting six and a half currently, that's an eight mile per gallon truck in my mind. Yeah, I'm pretty eager to get it up to to Pittsburgh power, and, and no, it's all factory. He bought it from a and you'd probably know the company, and I can't think of it. They went under in 06, but uh, he bought it from them with like 400,000 miles on it. Okay. I mean, it was a complete stock truck. No Jake brake. Got it. Uh, yeah. Not even a fan switch in here, you know, and he's added all that stuff. And uh, like I say, it's been, been taken care of. But, yeah, I'm eager to get, you know, uh, there's no telling what even tune they have. Because I know some companies, they, they want their trucks turned down, don't they? Right. Yeah, some did. Some turned horsepower down, but it, all that stuff's pretty easy to fix. Now, this would be a truck I'd be interested in. Yeah, I just, I, I fell in love with internationals because uh, I was, when I first went in business, I lost an engine in a freight liner. And then this, uh, I had a little 9200 international come along. And when I, you know, I do a lot of my own maintenance and stuff. And when you talk about a drop dead simple truck, I mean, this year model right. truck, I don't know why they'd ever go away from this style. I know. I mean, if you just got a few tools and a tool so, bag, you can pretty much do yep. anything you need to do that's not major. Yeah, sometimes simple is, is pretty darn nice. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate it. I'll let you get on, on to the next call. All right. Yeah, thanks. To- thanks for the call. Good stuff. Let's go to Oklahoma. Don, welcome to the program. Hey, good afternoon. Kevin, uh, just wanted to give you a quick call and update you on how, how, how my wife and I are progressing along with our uh, owner-operator status. Um, I talked to you back in October, and you gave me the guidance to wait six months for the truck pricing to adjust, and uh, sure enough, it did. I was watching, I was watching 20 trucks from our fleet. Uh, spread feed them and really been crunching the numbers. Excellent. And was able to pick up a, uh, when I when I sent in the email, letting them know what truck that I was interested in. Just as the driver it gave me a complete rundown, I got to go over the truck myself really well, and and uh, he had given me the rundown on it and recommended. He said, "This I've been in it for three hundred thousand miles. This has been an excellent truck, even though the company wouldn't share any of the of in, in any kind of written documentation on the." 
the, the history on mechanical. I had three or four different shop managers go in and review through, and they said, this thing looks like it's in good shape. For instance, we typically change death filters at 450 on, on everything in our fleet. This one made it all the way to 630 before it's nice. uh, death so hoping for good things when I go get the Max Force Diesel Clean system done up at Pittsburgh Power. That's that's on the radar right away. But anyway, when I sent the email in for the truck, the guy said, uh, he said, you, you know, been, in the truck I was looking at, I'm thinking 65, 70,000 is about what they were all looking looking around. And, and your comment to me was, you're asking the right questions. I wouldn't care how many miles are on the truck because you're going to do the right thing allocating money out of your budget for your escrow account, keeping up with your maintenance and such. He said, and he hit me back with an email 15 minutes later. And he said, with the miles that are on that truck, we can let that one go for 45. So I waiting six months, like you said, I got a $20,000 discount. On Excellent. Excellent. It's been maintained very well. Let me, my mentor that I have is, is a tribe member and he, he called in and spoke to Angie that, that I called you, and, he, and, he, and he, he said, give Don my number and let him know I'd be, I'd be interested in mentoring him uh, if, if he's interested. And, of course, I was, and he's just been a source of information that's just unbelievable. And then, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't let me take the truck off the property and go get it checked out. So I just, you know, he said, but do this. He said, get in there and check the engine hours divided by the mileage or vice versa. The mileage divided by engine hours truck's been run uh its average lifetime is 49.75 miles per hour uh for for its lifetime and it has 687,000 miles on it i was able to obtain an oil sample before i made the decision to purchase it and get the get that back in fact i went to a booth at the truck show a couple of weeks ago to the booth that joel was at and uh, the hot shop guy he, he looked at my oil sample and he said yep all you need two quarts of base that'll put you up to seven it's just a great looking oil sample. So Excellent. lots of good things good. have just come out of that. Yeah, and yeah. I got in my um, my engine hours on my APU, thirty seven hundred and one hours on the APU has a full APU on it as well. And I heard you guys talking about how much how expensive that could be. But you know, one thing that my mentor Steve has has taught me is that, you know one of the big things is do not idle. If you use max mileage fuel catalyst. And then you don't idle. You, I mean, you cut that idle out at all times. He said, you you will run such a clean depth system on a truck. I've noticed that. And we're still driving the company truck for about two more weeks. I think my uh, Landstar people are just about finished with onboarding my wife and I. we got to get home and send them our background check paperwork. Uh, when we when we get home, we don't, we don't have any copies with us. But anyway, everything's clicking along just fine. Excellent. I've heard some shows that you guys have had, and I've been like, Wow, what a you know? Did we get in this at the right time? But I just have to lean back on the thing that says I've heard you say before. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make money. Whatever it takes to survive, I'm going to do. I've heard you say that, and that's just the mentality that we're going to we're going to approach it. Excellent, excellent. Now you're you are doing this exactly right, and this is why, even though. I may take 15 calls from people who wanted to buy trucks and I might say, no, 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 no. There will still be the time when I say yes. And and it's because you do everything right. And, and I say everything. We don't have to do everything right. We can make mistakes here and there and you will. But you've got the big stuff handled. You are asking the right questions and it paid off already. So I, I congratulations. That's awesome. 
it, and 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 that show you guys had were um where Bruce and Pete and Leroy came in with their own ideas about what we would do if we purchased a fleet truck, that couldn't have came at a better time. You know, I've, I've listened to that show twice. I, as, as a matter of fact, you know, Jim Fowler's in, in, up at MD Alignment in Michigan's probably one of the first runs. I'll try to take a run up there and get on his schedule. He's working all the way up till June right now. And then from somehow I'm going to get over to Pittsburgh Power and get the the uh, the, uh, the torsional damper and 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 you know, the different things that are, that they talked about on the show there to get, get just a hundred percent trued up and ready for my, for my next 500. And, you know, like you said last, when I talked to you a year ago, you said, you want to make sure and get these oil samples on the front and rear diff and the transmission because these fleets don't change them. They leave them and say, get rid of them. Sure enough, mine's not been changed. So it's went a little long. It's at 600 and 87,000 miles, but that's yeah. first on You're, the radar. Yep. Well, that's first on the radar at Jim Fowler's place to get all those fluids Perfect. flushed out and changed and set right. So, Perfect. Anyway, Kevin, I just thought I'd give you a buzz and update yeah. you, man. Thank Thanks you. for all your guidance, and I appreciate you much. Yeah, thank, thanks for the feedback. I love that kind of stuff. You know, as negative as I am right now about our economy, doesn't mean I wouldn't be starting a business. Um, just depends. It doesn't mean you should, but if you're doing things right, there are going to be a lot of opportunities here. Here's somebody who's doing it right. They've been patient. They wanted to do this a year ago. They waited. It's already paid off. Great stuff. All right, I'm going to wrap this up today. Uh, We'll see you back here tomorrow for the Power Hour. Let me see if I need to uh, make any announcements today. Uh, nothing that I see. So we'll see you back here tomorrow. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.